This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by the Gamefly app, the must-have app for gamers, with info on over 50,000 console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. We can confirm. Ignition. Liftoff. Liftoff. Welcome to Weekend Confirmed, everybody. My name is Garnet Lee. Have an excellent show for you coming up today. I am joined by the uh, two Jeffs, Jeff Kanata, yo, my uh, trusty and faithful, fantastic co-host. Thank you, sir. And Jeff Mattis, indie Jeff Mattis here. Yo, what's up, everyone? And the uh, the grumpy guy, not a Jeff, not a Jeff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> not a Jeff. But you're in a Jeff sandwich right now. <laughs> but he is a Marcus. I'm the beer fill. I'm the beer filling in a Jeff sandwich. There you go. Ah, oh, the beer filling in a Jeff sandwich. That sounds. Sounds like somebody knows how to make a Jeff sandwich. Sounds like someone knows <laughs> how to make a and Jeff a beer sandwich, sandwich <laughs> which sounds, you know, like with actual messy. beer, it would be delicious. sounds messy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little soggy. We Boys. have, uh, we have not a lot of different things to talk about. We have one very big thing that people have been waiting a long time to talk about. And that Wonderful would be Minesweeper just came out. Yeah. Uh, no. we'll, be spending, we'll be spending the entire time talking about the iOS 7 update <laughs> uh, and and skitt- Skittles colors. And I don't know what else. There's not really a lot to talk There's about. Nothing, there is no there. big releases this week, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a shame. Anyway, yes, of course, we're going to talk about Grand Theft Auto, though yours truly was bitten by a uh, UPS exception and did not get it until later in the week. So I, I have a feeling we'll be coming back to it you know, a few more times. I'm actually yeah. taking a day off tomorrow. Just to play the game. Nice. And also because I need a little like break, mental mental break. Or maybe I've had a mental break and I need to catch <laughs> well, up to I, it. I've you got this game a, you should play. <laughs> you need some garnet time. You need some time. With I do. Game. I need some garnet time. If there was ever a game made for someone with a mental break. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, his, his parents parents everywhere. So before we get into the silliness, though, I do want to take a moment to uh, recognize the passing of former Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamauchi, who passed uh, yesterday, if you're listening to this on Friday or or last week or whenever you're listening to this. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with Yamauchi-san, he uh, led Nintendo to be the company that we know Nintendo to be today from its roots in in a much different uh, sort of industry. And so... more so than even just creating Nintendo, it was such an important transitional time in in video games that we owe a great deal of, Basically, of what video games are resurrected today. Resurrected yeah. video games in a large sense yeah. because uh, there was a big boom for, from the Atari 2600 era and then that crash happened and video games were uh, floundering. Floundering Let's to put say it that, that way. To say be kind about it. They were considered to be, you know, uh, suicide. Uh, uh, you know, market or uh, market suicide, and Nintendo got into the market and proved that a home console was a viable could be super successful. Product. And and so much of what we think of as the you know golden heyday of yeah. Nintendo came under his watch. He did step down after the launch of the GameCube, but uh, so much to both be remembered for in Nintendo and in just the annals of video gaming in general. So uh, great remembrance. He was mm-hmm. eighty five, so. Also kind of interesting that it marks a, you know, another uh, moment in time that really exhibits the passing of eras, right? Mm. I mean, that's, that is a, it's a big thing that we're now thinking of this as, 
you know, he stepped down in 2002 yeah. when the GameCube launched. That was 11 years ago. Yeah. 11 years ago. Yeah. And, and now we're looking at another new console cycle. And like, I'll, I'll always remember him for, you know, being the guy who took Nintendo from, you know, doing these trading cards and mm-hmm. pachinko stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and just really, I mean, and there are a lot of people out there who only know Nintendo from the Wii or know it from perhaps the GameCube versions or, you know, the N64. But I mean, the Super NES was the first of the big consoles that I bought, uh, you know, after going away from playing computer games and, you know, just playing F-Zero and, you know, just Mario on there and then um, Pilot Wings. And all this stuff, and then the Game Boy, the original, the original old school mini brick of a Game Boy. And with look just at how Tetris. much. Look at how much that changed the landscape of gaming and handheld gaming. I mean, the rise of handheld gaming, which Nintendo has dominated ever since. Yeah, such a big deal. So, uh, yeah. So there's something to remember, and something for those of you, you know, who may not have been aware of him because of how long ago he uh, stepped away from Nintendo. Really important passing, and something to think about. So raise a glass, as we will uh, today. Something else we have to do, uh, I have to make a little correction for sticking my foot in my mouth. And even though I had the screen open in front of me about Steam family sharing, I screwed it up. (laughs) It does not understand if one of us is playing a game and someone else is playing a game. Sharing is entirely library-based. So not only are you sharing your library with someone else, but if someone else is playing a game and you go to play a game in your library, whatever the game is, it knocks them off of the game they were playing. So I misunderstood. I thought that if they were playing something different, you'd still be able to play. But it is literally one library shared. And when the owner, the primary owner of that library, uses the library, any subordinate renters, so to say, get kicked out. I think an easy analogy is you bought a ball. To play with. Yes. You can bounce that ball. You can hand it to somebody else to bounce that ball. And they can bounce it. But you can't both bounce it at the same time. Well, and let's face it. I mean, people that were doing family sharing or wanted to do that were already doing that. You know, if you had a a family member or whatever, they they would have, you know, just log in with your account. And and granted, you couldn't both be playing at the same time, which is the way that works, too. So So the the bummer here is that even for family sharing, while I understand being able to pass it around the house, the bummer is that it does sort of defeat some of the purpose, even for family sharing, because if I'm downstairs in, in, you know, whatever computer setup I'm playing and someone wants to play something else upstairs, they're still going to have to have a whole other purchase of the game now because we can't be right. playing at the same time. Like someone can't be upstairs playing bit trip while I'm downstairs playing Witcher two, just not going to work, which is unfortunate because I thought that was where they were headed. And it's more of a, if I want to go use the computer in the study and that's usually logged in with a different login, then that's fine. But who cares at that point? Because as long as it's only one login at a time, the only real advantage is that, you know, family members would get their personalized saves and their achievements, which I guess is cool, but it's still, it definitely undermines the utility of family sharing. Yeah, I mean, to me, it strikes me more as a, here's another way to Trojan horse some games in there. Let somebody who's a friend of somebody that plays a lot of games play this thing. And they'll, you know, maybe flip on a purchase for it. But, you know, it doesn't really, for people that have been gaming and sharing <clears throat> games and stuff, it doesn't really change a whole lot. You know, um, I'm sorry, everyone. It was my enthusiasm. I really, I was reading the FAQ. I really, I really, I probably guess I can attribute that to my enthusiasm and hopes for what it was going to be. And it's not that, which is unfortunate. How about Gaben's uh, discussion at the Linux convention that, uh, that they're going to be pushing Linux hardware. They'll have something more to say about this next week. We'll probably have something more to say about that next week as well. Even their own studies on Steam show that less than a percent 
of of Steam users are on Linux, and yet he is, you know, full throttle. We are moving ahead with our Linux plans. Well, he's anti Windows eight, and he's, he's I, very anti Windows eight. As somebody who just bought a rather expensive laptop that comes with Windows eight, I don't blame him. Um. Yeah. Did you get 8.1? You probably got 8.1. I haven't updated yet. Oh, wait, you, I'm, I'm actually going, I'm, some of the OEMs have 8.1, but you'll get the update. Is it a touchscreen laptop? No, it's not. Because it's, that's it, really the only... Re- the, it's a Razorblade Pro, so it's mm. a full-on gaming rig. Ah. And wind, uh, those poxy icons and, you know, I mean, I literally go straight to desktop every time. I don't have a start menu, and it really pisses me off. I, I'm not a fan of Windows 8 either. I've railed against it on this show before, but uh, I can tell you that having a touchscreen laptop is it's what it's designed for and uh clearly it, it's much much more usable so it but it doesn't make sense to then put that on a regular laptop no keyboard, a mouse laptop it, when you don't have a touchscreen i mean it it's is, like use it as a as a touchscreen ios and give us the full functionality it's ridiculous that it wasn't an opt-in to the touchscreen interface the big tiles it's ridiculous it's sort of silly. So I am curious, though, to see how hard uh, how hard Valve will continue to push on this Linux front, and what, if any, movement they can really make. I mean, what what's the real likelihood that your typical computer gamer, even, and, and I'm saying typical computer gamer because I'm saying that the typical computer gamer is, let's say, more technically savvy than your just ordinary off the streets person. What's the chances that they're going to either create a Linux box or turn one of their gaming machines completely over to Linux, given the level of Linux support that's out there? I mean, it, I, it just to me, it seems like it would be so challenging to convince people to make that jump. Well, it's going to be a really interesting announcement. If, if they change the game in some way, if they, if they make some sort of big wave that, makes it compelling. Let's say it's a $600 piece of hardware that has, you know, top tier graphics and, and CPU support in it. I mean, I think that would be pretty cool. And I think that people would get behind it. I mean, there seems to be a clamoring for a steam box. And I pulled $600 out of my ass, by the way. Right. I I have no, I I pulled that out of my ass. He literally literally did. He literally did. But my thinking is that that's the sort of price point where you're, you're under that, I mean, right now, if you want to build a very competent desktop machine, you can do that in, you know, like the $900 range with Windows, right? Mm -hmm. And that's including Windows install. So you'd have to be under that. But I think you're still going to be above the price of next-gen consoles simply by the virtue of, you know, you have to buy all these component pieces and put them together. And There certainly doesn't seem to be a compelling reason to uninstall your current OS and install Linux. Yeah. No, no, no. But but if if you're releasing a... you know, steam box like thing. That's a modular, you know, basically console that you're really not going to do a lot else with other than game. Yeah. Yeah. And steam and then, and then the OS becomes sort of secondary to right. what it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter right. if everything runs fine and or better or whatever. It doesn't really um, matter at the end of the day, no. what the price is. And like you, like you said, it comes down to three things. Half-Life 3, Left 4 Dead 3, Portal 3. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. A very good, that's a very good yeah. poor Marcus. It, de- it definitely comes down to how you, you know, you bring those banner titles out, but is there a, a world you envision where they would bring those banner titles out and not put them on Windows? I no. think I uh, know. I don't think there is. I think they will bring them out onto Linux as uh, you know, maybe some different content. You know, maybe just jazz it up a little. But they're not. I mean, Gabe, penguins. Yeah. Well, Gabe, game. I love penguins. Gabe is a very you know, well. He's a very opinionated chap, but he's not going to leave the PlayStation money, the Xbox money, and the PC oh, money. Not. On you know on the shelf for any of these, but he could do like a six month exclusive, right? And be like, look, if you want to get Half Life three six months before everybody else, cool. You know, buy one of our boxes. Thing in the world. Can you imagine Half Life three comes out for six months? It's only available 
on Linux. Guess Can you imagine that? Guess who's buying a Linux box? <laughs> These yeah, four guys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. All right, can I up the fantasy? Linux box with Oculus Rift support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, there we go. We'll there all be go. taking personal Fridays every every day. <laughs> it's probably true. I mean, it yeah. probably would work. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that it. <laughs> Well, you throw in blowjobs. Look, look, <laughs> look, if you're going to launch a box, a, a, an actual, you know, that would be one way that I could actually see it being a reasonable approach, right? Otherwise, otherwise, you're just like, you're going up against the big boys and yeah, the, the, the PC guys are going to be like, oh, this is convenient. Like, I don't have to have my desktop dedicated to gaming and I, but I don't. And they have flirted with this carrot. before. So then the real question is, what does this announcement look like next week? Because they flirted with this before. And, and is it really just going to be another, you know, uh, man behind the curtain sort of thing where next week he's like. Well, we've we've provided some further support yeah. mechanisms for you know yeah. potential. Uh, it's partners. so much easier for you to install Linux now. It's like, well, <laughs> nobody's going to do it, but that, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to belittle. I think it's awesome. I love I love the concept of a power user. I used to be one, but now I'm a convenience user <laughs> because right. I just want stuff to work. Which is a lot of the reason that people got Diablo 3 on console or waited around for them to get it on console. And now the console players have taught the PC players a little lesson about loot. How well, ironic I've, is that? Uh, first of all, you have uh, full reign to gloat. Uh, it's not, th- 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 I'm not going to gloat. Are, you were right. Uh, but You know what I would really like to do, actually, was I want to flashback to two plus years ago when Blizzard had us all down to look at Diablo 3 and they unveiled this idea in one of their auditoriums. And... And people were eating it up, and mm-hmm. and I objected. Yes, and, you did, and pushed vociferously. The, pushed, pushed the person. Were you at that meeting? Yeah, and, and I pushed it, and and they actually seemed to get upset that I was pushing back on it so hard, like I was somehow affronting them and and challenging their and 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 somehow challenging their wisdom or whatever. And that wasn't the point. The point was that you know what? I get it. You guys are really into Diablo, although there's a lot of new faces and new blood in that team, and. I've been a super core Diablo fan for a long time as well, and almost instantaneously could see the tragic flaw in this system. Well, but you can see from their perspective, looking at the the loot black market oh, that yeah. opened up. At Diablo and that was my too. point: is like they were so inside the business side of it. They were so in. They were so inside the publisher perspective of it right. that 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 was what was. To, I, I think clouding the judgment. I'm so glad they're doing this. I'm so glad. It's a positive I, all the way around. Does it seem we're odd talking that, about closing the auction house. Right. So by the way, yeah, so Diablo 3, Diablo 3, yeah, Blizzard has announced that they will be closing the PC auction house, both gold and real money. So they're getting rid of the auction house from Diablo 3 in its entirety. It'll be finally shut down uh, on six months from March, now. March 18th, March 18th of next year. But they call, they term that a final shutdown. So I'm curious how that's going to proceed. I mean, if they have like, did, somebody asked me, and I thought this was an astute, uh, potential assumption is, is that a sort of tacit reveal of when the expansion is coming oh out? i would think so yeah i mean it's tied because they said it's tied to loot 2.0 yeah but maybe it's before then because i i'm i am really hopeful since they have the loot table data from the console versions already that they could go ahead and implement that now right and like go ahead turn off the damn auction house as soon as you can and implement those loot Who's tables going yeah. in the auction house right now and spending mo- in the next oh, six months it's done yeah it's cooked so why is it even re- it's completely cooked lingering uh, i would guess in order to squeeze the final pennies out <laughs> well they never well, you know but- they always insisted that it wasn't a monetization scheme for them <laughs> well, well, no, no, no 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 <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't pass the sniff test for you. No, it doesn't. No, it. I mean, well, that's what it was. Is it, they were they took the, they took a 
they took a, a monetization. Well, they, and they took a monetization model and designed gameplay around it for that portion of the game. It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, this will be really, it really, really enhance. I know your questing. I'm not, I'm not sure that's naive. fair. I'm not sure that's fair. I, I, it's I, an, it was a real money auction house, though. No, I know, but they didn't design the gameplay around the game. The game is Diablo. It's not. It's not like they designed a game around oh, an auction house. No, 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 no. What, what What I mean is that the auction house, in and of itself, is a monetization engine. Right. It, it is. It doesn't enhance gameplay in any real way. It's sort of this separate entity. And yeah, you can. Buy- I could. I could. I could make an argument that they're that they're saying what people want is to be able to get loot. We're facilitating that. Right. I think it blew up in their face, and and at the the end result, I'm sure it went hand in hand. I'm not saying they were. In, there's, there's a an design extension. There is a design extension to that. I agree with actually. I'm with Jeff Kanata on this. I don't think that they went into it from a we're going to monetize it this way perspective initially. I think they did look at it, though, as a, hey. It's a win-win. Yeah. I think they were like, it's a win-win. Look, this has been going on for a long time. There There are these sites out there that will send players into farm. The farming activities alone mess up the game. Everyone hates to be around the farmers. They they screw up the loot tables. They really mess up this entire game. So we're going to take charge of that. We're going to take charge of that. We're going to own all of this gear, we're going to own the transaction system, and we're going to make it to where players can go and buy things from legitimate source, not get hosed, except the problem with that then becomes, now that you've decided to do that as part of the game, it means that you've got to go in and restructure how loot works in the right. game in order to make the auction house relevant. Mm-hmm. And so once they did that, now things start getting really screwy Louie. because now you've gone in and said, okay, well, how do I handle the drop rates here? Because regardless of what I'm doing, I know that this player can hop out to the auction house and though they really want, you know, whatever bow with whatever characteristics it is and they don't find it, then I can just make it to where they can go buy it. That's, that's the problem is that it, be- I think it, it completely marginalized. It's kind of 98% point, yeah. but that's I don't Jeff think they did point. it. Right. But I think that the, I don't think the initial trigger was monetization. I think the You're initial so trigger sweet. Well, no, <sighs> it was, I mean, look, it was, uh, yeah, I'm no, 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 please go. Ahead. You think I'm wrong. Creeping fingers of Bobby Kotick. That's Maybe. what. That's what. Uh, I mean, you don't think Blizzard is insulated from that? No. Okay. No. Um, look, and Fair. I think it's it's a case of they saw that other people were farming and selling and making a shit ton of money off this, um, and it was like, yes, well, we should control this and blah blah. And, and that's, that's my why, pie. And, and, yeah. and it is yeah, their it's right. their IP. It's their world. Fair enough. But I think it was also a case of yes, we should be making all that money. That should be our money, and I think that unfortunately <laughs> then bled into the point that you that you more clearly made, perhaps, of affecting loot drop rates, mm-hmm. and where it was so basically it right. is a monetization model designed to make make Blizzard Activision or Activision Blizzard more money, and it bled into the game and impacted the game. And I honestly say, Diablo three is not a fun game for me. I mean, I. I would rather go back and play Diablo 2 and it's and dire- expansion pack and directly and not them. fun because of the way the loot drops, right? Well, I mean, I just feel that it, it feels like what the point? What's have the you point? Pl- have you played the console version? No. As some of you, as some of you, by the way, out there who are awesome listeners, pointed out to my dumb ass, uh, I I work for GameFly and I could just put Diablo <laughs> in my queue, so I did. I did that. What do you know? I looked around the house and figured out what I had sitting around that had been uh, my. You know, what I had to return was Gears yeah, of, of Four. No, Gears of War Three. <laughs> Oh wow! Here's the War Three series. I was like, oh, I guess, I guess, some I guy's been waiting back. for that on his. Yeah. Like, some guy's like, been looking. Finally, like, God damn that asshole! Uh, I, I just would like to to say that, that I, I think it can. It doesn't have to be all one thing or all another thing. Uh, and and it's fine that you don't enjoy Diablo Three, but I, I think, I think it's 
in the same sense that it doesn't have to be all about money or all not about money, I think it could have been both. And I also think it can also be that Diablo three was, had bad aspects to it, but I had a hundred fucking amazing hours with that game. I loved it. It's not for everybody, but I loved playing that game. And also it was ruined at the end for me after a hundred hours of playing. How was it ruined at the end for you? Because the, the game is amazing until act two oh, of inferno mode when the, and then it's like the well you have to pay money you. Yeah. you have to pay money to, to have the to gear progress. you need the gear you need the yeah. gear and the only and the way, way to, get to the do, pay it go into yeah. the auction house oh. so so it, it can be both things which i think it was for, well, i'm for very me. curious to play i'm very very curious to play the console version when i get it because i'm i want to see how it feels to have you know not have had that auction house and it does actually give me back that feeling of oh i'm getting stuff and plus i hear the direct control is actually quite fun to play oh with. i'm certain of it if uh Torchlight is any indication, it I'm sure it will be great. You know, the playing with, with a controller tor- yeah. torchlight was great. L- lots fun. of people are saying that the, the controller system works well. I haven't played it on console. I have played all my Diablos on PC. Um I did actually own Diablo for the PS1. Really? Oh wow. Friggin that was that was a mess. <laughs> I remember seeing it. It was a Layable. mess. It was a mess. Now this version, uh, by the way, if you haven't seen the I'm really anxious to see it as well because though it is it is obviously at a lower resolution and they're using a lower resolution internally and, and render and then using the uh, uh, frame buffer to pop it up. They're, they're able to run evidently almost all of the special effects, which supposedly makes it look pretty good. So I saw some really nice source had some really cool looking stuff on it. So. I'm excited to play it again. And I, I'm, it makes me even less understand. That's not a sentence. I don't understand uh, the, um, the delay on removing the auction house. If you have a version okay. of the game out that has that doesn't have the auction house in it, why not just take it away now? So for its part, here's here's Blizzard's uh, comment, by the way. And and I actually got this not only on their site, they actually sent me out a nice email. I was like, oh, there- yeah, I got that too. <laughs> when we initially designed and implemented the auction house system, the driving goal was to provide a convenient and secure system for trades. But after much review and player feedback, it became increasingly clear that despite the benefits of the AH system, and the fact that many players around the world use it, it ultimately undermines Diablo's core gameplay. Kill monsters to get cool loot. Did you watch the video? They had a really interesting video, too. No, I didn't. The two lead designers um, explaining that decision as well. Uh, I think this has really interesting implications for Hearthstone. Okay. Because here's another game that's built around a monetization system, ostensibly. And uh, it's could it could have had a very large trading slash auction house type mechanic but they chose not to incorporate the card trading system only right. but yeah yeah for, I, for maybe they learned maybe I they think just... that's probably a good inference don't you hmm. i had i had not connected the dots i mean i i think the, yeah i think there the, if hearthstone comes out around the time diablo 3 comes out maybe there is a way to trade maybe there is an auction house type thing i don't know it's interesting that is very interesting ah <sighs> What an exhilarating start to the show. Yeah, it's too bad there's not any games to talk about. Yeah, really. Um, so we just have a little bit of time before we usually take our first break. So maybe I'll just like, uh, I will pull to something else interesting in here. Uh, what should we talk about? Oh, we, we talked a lot about the Vita TV last week. Mm. And that stirred that stirred the pot some. But most interestingly, uh, our usual uh, naysayer, my SSSSSS, which by the way, that's a badge you can wear with honor. It's okay to be that guy. Uh, the guy it, with lots of S's? Yes. Okay. Thinks that uh, the Vita TV is actually the death knell of the Vita. I thought this was a really surprising point of view, but he, he compared it to, he compared that Sony taking the Vita into a space 
similar to the Ouya of an inexpensive device that connects to your TV and, and feeds it the software of, of something like taking a Cadillac and comparing it to a Pinto. So Isn't the new Pinto supposed the, to be the, uh... the new Pinto supposed to be really something special, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and he says that Sony's putting the Vita on life support, hoping that the Ouya model w- works out. And I don't agree with that at all. But do I? Do any of you guys see the a shard of uh, thought logic in there? No, I mean, I honestly, big picture wise, I see them doing probably more to integrate the PS Vita into the, their ecosystem of gaming with all the cross compatibility stuff and all that that they're doing with ps4 that's just another thing that's another reason to own that thing you know that's that's another another nice i don't know that i call it life support i mean i don't think there's any denying that they're hoping to resuscitate the vita and that is what they are doing i mean there make no doubt about it when you bring out a new model for japan when you bring out a new device when you spend a significant amount of time talking about the software coming for it but i don't equate that to putting it on life support i equate that to them looking at the device looking at what's gone on in the handheld space and going okay you know what for this platform to be successful it needs to be more than just what we thought of initially right and here's how we could do that uh red swirl pointed out that you know that that this effort this concerted effort to selling software comes down to uh them making it one platform that has two outlets yeah. So you've got, you know, there's two spaces you can go to with it. And granted, maybe not every function and every game works the same on, on Vita television, but it is a pretty cool idea. I'm I'm sold on it. I'm still sold on it. I, I'm sorry, my assistant. I don't think it's I don't think it's life support. I do think that it is a move to resuscitate it. I do think it is an admission that Vita has been struggling, but I don't think that's any surprise to anyone who's been around the Vita ecosystem. Yeah. It's it's something that I think could really revitalize it. And I'm still I'm still really excited for it. I yeah. saw a Vita in the wild this week. Oh really? It was Wild the, Vita? It was it was the GTA midnight opening. Somebody turned up with a Vita. Really? Just to yeah. like hang out and play their Vita? Well no, they were, they were, they were they trading in, it in for were, GTA. <laughs> no, it didn't that was look a like terrible they, thing to actually, say. Actually no it didn't look like they were trading it. I mean he was playing playing games and social mediaing and stuff like that. And I was doing exactly the same thing on my iPhone. Yeah, they have a they I think that they were a little bit fooling themselves thinking that the Vita would be a replacement device for all of those sort of app ecosystems because you, you know your phone is already such a good platform for that and it's it, your phone is pocketable and all of these devi- and all of the all of the apps in that world are very mature, very well designed, very well thought out and and even if you get say, you know, I don't know, is Foursquare on Vita? Probably. So even if you got a Foursquare to come to Vita, they're not going to be sitting there and iterating and iterating and iterating and putting the latest features. All the stuff you're going to want to do with it is going to be on your phone. So I just think that it's nice that they dabbled in that some. There's some things that make sense. In other, you know, being able to use your Vita as a Skype device that probably makes sense. That probably makes sense. That's cool. The camera is actually pretty cool on the Vita. Um, look, at the end of the day, the one thing that defines the Vita and the one thing where it's been lacking has been games. Absolutely. And it's the same problem that the Wii U has. Um, and Those Ninten- are coming, dude. Yeah, but Those Ninten- are- well, Nintendo's rectifying it and Sony are rectifying it. Dude, Killzone Mercenary is really very fun shooter. And they have all these all these great indie games coming up for Vita. I think. No, I mean, that, but that's what I'm saying. That's been the problem in the past, and they're, they're they're doing their best to rectify it. They're not helping themselves. I think the cost of the memory cards is still yeah. way more than it should be. And when you have a one even even patch, reduced, even reduced, it's too much. Yeah, and you have a one gigabyte patch for for mercenaries. Mm. That's ridiculous. That, mm. um, so it it just basically seems that they don't still don't get it themselves. They they know where they want to be. 
but they don't know how to get there without tripping up along the way. They need to reduce the cost of the hardware. They need to reduce the cost of the memory cards. Stop being so controlling with the proprietary technology. Yeah. Just put it out there and let other people make cards and just rake in some of that money in a licensing deal, for God's sake. Get them out there. Get people buying because, what's it, 60 bucks, 70 bucks for for a moderately sized card now? It's still that's the reduced obs- price. It's yeah. still way too it's much. It's still obscene. And it is when, still way too you know, much. your system, you know, the Vita is wireless, despite the AT&T shenanigans, mm-hmm. you should be able to connect to a Wi-Fi network, have enough hard drive space to download a couple of games relatively quickly, go on and, you know, while something bigger in the background is downloading and right. just enjoy yourself. Well, it's it's especially too much when your system of when your mercantile system, your PlayStation store is predicated on people being able to have places to store the things they buy. Right. The last thing on earth you want is for someone to think, wow, I'd really like to buy this game for 15 bucks and then look at their memory card and go, you know, I don't know if I have enough space for it right now. Maybe I'll just, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to get it right now. And I get it. They'll say, well, you know, you can always delete something and we'll store it on the cloud for you. But people don't want to do that. They want to have access to their stuff. And so making the memory cards expensive seems short-sighted to me still no. all right stick around uh we are only one quarter of the way into the show still to come grand theft auto uh and by the way yours truly coming up on the tailgate six and oh baby impressive six and oh most impressive i know i'm, I'm thrilled all right stick around we'll be right back Psst. hey you yeah you listening to this you want to play all the latest video games well, try gamefly.com the number one video game rental service number one Right now, you can sign up for just $5.95. That's $5.95, their lowest price ever. Gamefly has over 8,000 titles, including the hottest new releases like DMC Devil May Cry, The Walking Dead, and Hitman Absolution. Here's how easy it is. Just sign up, select your games, and Gamefly will ship them directly to your door. You can keep the games as long as you want, and there are no late fees, and you can cancel at any time. Once you're done playing a game... Send it back, and Gamefly will send you the next available game on your list. Now you can also play hundreds of PC games with Gamefly's new Unlimited PC Play, free for members. Gamefly also saves you money by letting you try your favorite games before buying them. If you really like the game you're playing, simply click Keep It on the Gamefly website, and it's yours at a deeply discounted price. It's just $5.95 to start! Did I mention that's their lowest price ever? Simply sign up. Pick your games, and Gamefly will rush them to your door. Go to Gamefly.com, that's G-A-M-E-F-L-Y.com, and sign up today. All right, so uh, before we hop into Grand Theft Auto, a couple other thoughts that I had come to mind. Number one is, anybody at the table going to get the Zelda Wii U bundle? Came out this week, $2.99, Zelda HD included, available at, um, Marcus has like, removed his headphones, he is throwing in the cans. <laughs> Where you're just not you're not Wii Uing it. You're just, I've got a Wii U. No, I'm just not a Zelda fan. You know, oh, you're not a Zelda fan. What? Well, that's okay. I've never been able. Do to you get also into hate Zelda. America and babies and considering pie. Zelda's a Japanese game. Why would I hate America? Because you must hate things that are good and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is the funniest <laughs> jump of logic. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I've I just been canoted. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just, totally I'm just surprised you don't like Zelda. You don't no, like Zelda at all? And not, not, not a single Zelda, any of the Zeldas? I've tried. I mean, I've tried. And the first one I tried was Link to, Link to the Past uh, which is, on the Super NES, which, I like I said, I, I have said this many times. I've got no problem with people liking Zelda, loving Zelda, more power to them. It's just not my cup of tea. My favorite one was the one with a jump button in it. That was cool. 
No, I mean, I like Zelda okay. I'm just not. Dude, Wind Waker is an awesome game. It's one of my favorite. I think you mean Mario Sunshine with the water backpack. Yeah, well, look. Look, Sunshine at the time was kind of like, hmm, but in retrospect, through through rose there colored glasses. There were some really glasses, cool sections was, of that game. Yeah, it, it there was, were some pretty cool it was sections. Kind of I think it came out ideas. right around the same time as that song, Things That Make You Go, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it probably did. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I'm actually thinking about it. I already have it. a Wii U, but I think, yeah, you were thinking about getting a I'm thinking about, I, mean, I need a Wii U. I've been thinking about it, and it's like a great deal, right? Yeah. And then, and then the other thing that's funny that struck me out of this is, and this is like just a weird random thought, and it, it's really not a big deal, but... How on earth are Nintendo and Amazon still at odds? Did you realize this? I saw, I, so I watched this stupid. Twitter thing this week where you said, "Why isn't why can't I get a Wii U on Amazon?" And people responded and that told was, you that shit was ages ago, ages ago. And these two big companies that stand to make a ton of money can't bury the hatchet and and benefit. It's so it's so damn dumb. It's so damn dumb. It is damn dumb. It's just anyway. It's Nintendo we're talking about. They're not exactly the sharpest tools in the shed at times. It well, might be. What? The abomination of the week. <laughs> <laughs> that is not even remotely abomination territory. Anyway, if you're interested, there were some people who thought apparently that the reason I was getting this is there were some people who thought that that was an exclusive to GameStop. It's available at, at major retailers. You can get it at Target or Walmart. And I would just GameStop like to say, despite the prevailing wisdom at this particular table, uh, Wind Waker is a game everyone should play. And if you haven't played what it, you, I'm on I'm on the Wind Waker team. I'm on Team Waker. Nice. Team Team Waker against Team Wanker. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you got to hate just, just because I'm not one of these guys who will learn, uh, who will line up to jerk off in Nintendo's face every time they slap the word Zelda on something? Honestly, I mean. You'll never get in the Guinness World, World Book of World Records if you don't stand in some line like that. <laughs> <laughs> I look. I mean, I respect a lot of uh, what Nintendo does. I have tried to play the Zelda games; they just don't appeal to me. And if you want to give me a bunch of shit for that, just because you want to line up with everybody else and suck on the teat, more power to you, Shibi boy. And, 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 and I and I would submit that that I definitely, I definitely only like it because I'm a sheep. I only that, that's definitely the reason I like it. I just, it's because. Everything I say on this on this show is uh, is only falling directly in line with. Well, what that, that's else the is. thing. I mean, just because I have, I a think different, they're excellent games. Like, and I, more power to you. I've got nothing. I have no disrespect for you because you think they're excellent. I don't think you're a, a, an idiot or whatever. But I mean, to, to give me abuse because I don't like. Wait, it. Is he doing I passive mean, aggressive how, or is he doing serious? I was I, I was doing, I, don't I was joking it. with the wanker thing. It just rhymed. That's the only reason I said it. Waker and Wanker. Look, look, it was I, alliteration. I think the biggest problem that I have with the Zelda games is that they haven't markedly changed much of anything, mechanics or otherwise, in the in, in the, trans- the duration barring. of the. Well, yeah, yeah. Wanker's like, not really that bad of same, a word, though, is it? Right? It's just no, it's fine. It's I, I know, look, I knew he threw it up because I'm I'm the Brit at the table, and he's just jealous. I mean, he may I am have just, he may he may have the good looks and the biceps and the, st- the flat stomach and everything, but I've got the fucking accent. I know. Yeah. If I had that accent, I know how far I would go. I would go so far. You're getting, exactly. uh, you're, you're, oh, getting, well. you're getting married. You're getting, I am getting married, getting despite married. My not having an accent. Despite not having an accent. Yeah. The other thing yeah. is, uh, next week, to you too. Andrew Yoon will be back. He's right now at the Tokyo Game Show. Sweet. There's been some interesting stuff coming out of there, but uh, I was just going to, th- and, and we won't spoil any of that, but one of the things that stood out to me is they do their game uh, awards there, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it's not, it's not, doesn't get nearly the fanfare. Pretty unsurprised, but still interested in the fact that, you know, uh, what won their grand award was Animal Crossing New Leaf. Hmm. 
And I think that's not, it's not surprising to me because of how popular that game is in Japan. Just shows you the different tastes. But it's a really good reminder of A, what a great game it is, and B, how, how it's okay to have different. Oh, you don't think it's a great game? Marcus? No, no, no. Remember when I came on, we discussed that's it. Right, we and discussed it. I gave it, I gave it a try. And I, again, see the appeal. It's just, it, there is a certain level of repetitiveness to it that really doesn't float my boat. Look, when you get the right rug and wall combination, it all comes It brings together. the room together. Yeah, it really ties it's the room called together. owning your own house, Garnet. Well, I... Like in real life. I have to rent. <laughs> I can't afford that. I'm sorry. You need to move your ass to Altadena, dude. <sighs> anyway, all right. So Speaking I, of moving to Altadena. <laughs> is Altadena actually in the Los Santos map? Because it's, Grand Theft Auto Five is out and... Arguably for us, especially who live here in LA, one of the most entertaining things is all the damn landmarks. It is is a completely different experience for people that live in Los Angeles. I would I would submit because uh, the like the second mission in the entire game, Mm -hmm. one of the first things you do, which is as far as I've been, is you turn left and you go up the California incline, which is like a stone's throw from where we're sitting right now. And right after that, it drives you right by things that if you live around here, you recognize, like that stupid parking garage that Santa Monica has with the damn colored (laughs) panels. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly. that's that, that's the, that be- the Beverly Center's the, in there. I know yeah. I'm, I'm, the Hollywood Bowl, which I worked at for seven years. Third, third Street Promenade, right yeah. there, like all that stuff. There's that wonder that 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 stretch of road on Santa Monica when you drive into Beverly Hills, and the Santa Monica Police Station is on your right left. There, yep. It's like exactly the I'm, same. The the Beverly Hills Golf Club is right there as well, yeah. uh, opposite the hotel that used to be the old school Hilton. And you know, what, do, you know what's fascinating about this is that they seem to have been able to take all of these landmark points. And condense the map around them oh, yeah. and make it work. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it is as if you of LA. Y- yeah, <laughs> it is. it's like m- mini LA. Uh, the Santa Monica Pier though is remarkable because I when I'm doing my my run training, I I run the thing and there's a mission where you have to run down the pier yeah. and I'm literally running exactly where I've run in real life and everything is exactly the same. Yeah. I mean it's. All, yeah, all, really of, all of the Vespucci slash Venice Beach stuff yeah. is great. I yeah. mean, it's really, really, really it's Muscle bizarre. Beach and all that sort of stuff. There is some stuff, though, where they are in the land of fantasy. Well, sure. Um, there is a, level, a, a mission where you have to swim in the bay. Well, oh, wow. we, it's also a version of Los Angeles that doesn't have traffic. Yeah, you know. So, oh no, the, the, <laughs> when you get to some of the some of the later missions, when you're you're heading out, I mean, some of the freeways do jam up really well, yeah. and they right. have transplanted the asshole drivers. They've oh, got every asshole well, driver in LA great. is now in the game. That's fantastic. Yeah. Hold on, I'm in the left lane. Oh, I want to get off at that exit right there. Hold Seriously, on. Seriously, yeah, that happens. Well, and guys leaning out the window flipping you off when you like awesome. cut them off or, yeah, it's so good. No, really, actually, they really do that. Yeah. See, that's an interesting point because, so, and you guys are going to dig into the depth and I will be bowing out here quickly because I've only had a chance to play through the, through the opening, which was very cool, and then that first mission. And one of the things that, and this is just a stupid, like, they're stupid little things, but their attention to detail. So, first of all. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The second mission, you hop in these cars and they're convertibles and you can put the top down. Yeah. yeah but not yeah. just the, and not, it, it, it doesn't like it, the awesome ass convertibles too. With it the, looks like, yeah. and, and like, it's not just, yeah, you're right. It's just not. And I was going to say, it's not just a shitty top dropping. Right. It is. 
you can see all of the mechanism. <laughs> right. You can see all the scissor pieces, like like the little back piece, the back flap of the exotic car pops up with the little folding pieces on the side, right. and the and the and the top unlatches in the front, and then it scissors the way it's supposed to, and you can see the mechanism underneath there. The hard and, tops are the hard top convertibles are especially yeah. impressive. There, yeah, that's, that's like a giant middle finger to all the racing games that have been like convertibles. Yeah, well, there's convertible. It's got the top up. I mean, yeah, and there's I mean, yeah. you you go to Vespucci Beach, and the guy says uh, you go up to the bike rental place, and he's like pick a bike and there's like six bikes and they're all different which require the the character model to sit on them in a different manner and it's it, there's just it's endless well it's and endless even down to to pulling i mean i think and i think this is in previous gtas but the pulling into an alley turning off your engine and hearing the click of the the engine cooling off yeah, yeah. like like just all these little auditory cues the, the thing that impressed wait, wait, me the wait, most, you mean like the metal expanding, like you hear the yeah. click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear what? you hear the metal expand. Then you also like like uh, that's nuts. Out in my neighborhood, <clears throat> I was just walking along the street, and this is the neighborhood where I live in real life. It's right down the street, and you could hear the like sort of Doppler effect. You could hear Jeff playing Grand Theft <laughs> yeah, yeah. Auto. No, the the, <laughs> the Doppler effect, like motorcycle, like from you know because LA is so flat most of it. And you like listen, and you can hear like from my, from my balcony. Now, yeah, you can hear, and you can hear a motorcycle scream by. They have all those little like yeah. off in the distance sounds that I half the time I'm like looking out my window, going, "Wait, is there a? Oh no, no, no that's I, a game." I've been playing a large portion of, of this game uh, with headphones on, yeah. and I've appreciated the audio design in this game uh, to a large extent. It, it is, it is, as, from a technical standpoint, Grand Theft Auto is just stunning. It's stunning because. You never encounter a loading screen. After you load that game up, you never encounter a loading screen. You have it. You have it. Inst- you obviously have the install, but apart right. from that, you're one hundred percent right. For Anybody the- playing? By the way, what platforms are you guys playing on? Three sixty. Three PS3. Oh, so you're playing on PS3? Yeah. Awesome. And are you playing? But you're playing the disc-based version. Yeah. See, I'm really curious because there was a bunch of controversy out there at first about the whole disc-based thing. What happens is the game has been designed. That you put the disc in, whether it's 360 or PS3, and it installs a significant amount of the game to the hard drive, and then you put a disc in. In in the case of 360, it's the play disc. In the case of PS3, it's the same disc because it can hold so much. And it's using both devices simultaneously. It's pulling stuff off the optical drive and pulling stuff off the hard drive at the same time. What happens if you bought it digitally from the PlayStation Network? That's a good question. One for the readers who, or the viewers, listeners, whatever. Who? Yeah, there was going to be the, one of the sites was going to do some testing on that. I just haven't seen it yet. I mean, th- like, well, and I think they've already uh, the there may not be a digital 360 version ever. Well, like, like they don't. I don't know that they're making one. Well, right, because one well, th- well, 360 hasn't done digital day one yet. Now remember that because Ghosts is going to be the first digital day one game for Xbox 360. So I think that they probably figured there was no reason to do that. Anyway, but it's, back, it's, it's back, remarkable. Back what Mark is saying, like you were saying about it, you never see a loading screen. No, no, it's and you walk to indoor environments and it's outdoor sublime. environments. It's they're, they're, they're and it's aging technology in the you know the last days of disco, which is the <laughs> PS3 and the 360. And I mean, I went with the PS3 version because the trailers when they re- announced that all the trailer footage they put out there was from the PS3 version. I was sold. Plus, I also like the one disc thing. Yeah, um, one disc to rule them all, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I've had some issues with popping. You know, there's a little bit of texture popping every now and again, um, especially when, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on at, at once. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's technically fantastic. Um, you know, kudos to them. One thing I do want to s- throw out there as a random idea, I would love it if somebody could get the full map of L.A. Noire 
and then the full map of the city section of GTA 5 and do an overlay. Mm. Because those Surprise are two games. Yeah, two games based in LA, both, you know, within the last five years, both from the same publisher. It would be interesting to see if perhaps stuff's been not reused, but oh yeah, if I went that to, stuff fits. I totally went to Grove Street while I was like solving my homicides and no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's amazing that when you you walk into the interior and the interior is as meticulously detailed as the exteriors and y- there's no end to it. You never, ever, ever, ever feel like, well, this store looks exactly like the store I looked at four hours ago. Everything is well, and not only that, it's designed. It, it's a lot of a lot of these buildings are not. I was telling Jeff about a mission that I was playing before I came in, and I won't give any spoilers, but I had to buy something i was playing as trevor i had to buy some outfits for my heist and i realized i didn't have enough money so i drove two blocks until i found a liquor store which has no other purpose other than to be a liquor store you can go in there and buy snacks or whatever and i held up the clerk and got my money that way and went back and drove back and got the suits that i needed to get but it wasn't a it wasn't, it wasn't a, situa- a go look, yeah it wasn't like it wasn't store. like i was hold up a liquor store it was yeah. like I, you there know, wasn't I a prompt in the quest that showed right. you to go to the liquor right store. there's there's armored trucks driving around that you can just hijack or blow the back of the doors off i mean there's all this ambient stuff in there that when they say find a vehicle for your heist it's like okay go out in the environment and find the ve- the getaway vehicle that you want you know it's it's really really i never even thought of holding up a liquor store yeah i mean i've driven past them so many a good times person who the hell do you think you're talking to first you call me a wank and then now you call me a good person <laughs> outside now i i have a problem with definition <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> No, but I mean, it, 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 and that to me is fantastic. I'd heard about the, these these uh, the, the the trucks that drive around, but yeah, I mean, the fact that you can go into any store and even the clothing stores. Yeah, so I think much the only stuff. One, yeah. the only ones that look kind of similar are the uh, munition ones. Yeah, and then ammunition, 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 um, because they they do look, they feel like a chain. But um, even though, if you go into the one out in, um, I'm going to say Salton Sea, whichever the you know whatever. Yeah, wait, the, this goes all the way out to Salton Sea. Yeah, that's where oh. Trevor the uh, Trevor lives. Oh, Jesus God, the Trevor missions. That's crazy. Uh, there's something else. Yeah. We we need to talk about Trevor. Trevor's a problem. So let's do this. <laughs> Here's what I want to know first, because I've only just I've like I've literally gotten to the part where the game hands you the keys to the car. Because that's kind of cool what it does in the first two missions. Is first it gets you introduced to the game, and then it introduces you to the other character, and then you're in his house, and it's sort of like okay, have fun with well, the but game. You know, actually, I think the the whole first. I don't know, six hours of the okay, game. Okay, so that's what I would say. So tell me about, tell me oh, about your, each of you, tell me about, tell me, you tell me about your first experience. You tell me about your first experience. You tell me about your first experience. Well, I was just going to say that the, the, the game does a remarkable job of having the first, I don't know, 10, 20 missions that you encounter in the game be this wildly varied exposure to all the crazy things you can do in the game and and it, without actually feeling like it's like okay now we're going to introduce yeah. you to the this mechanic. it doesn't feel like a tutorial because that's the saints row thing yes right it doesn't feel like a tutorial but it in fact is it's like okay we're getting you on a jet ski and we're getting you into this we're making you swim and we're getting you on a bike and we're getting you in a plane and we're doing you know like it all these different things that you can do and it all <laughs> manages to feel he's, organic he's, he's talking with his hands <laughs> Well, yeah, hey, no. man, you want to go outside? I brought, I brought a weapon. He's trying to stab me with Case a pencil. Case in point, there, there, were, there was a mission where uh, you know you escape on jet skis, and right. after that mission, you have jet ski races that pop up all over the city that you can just go and. Well, th- the great thing about that jet ski mission, I, I completed the jet ski mission, and then you're back on the pier. 
Yeah. And uh, so, you know, the first, you, you pre- I was prepping for the first heist and I was going in smart. So, you know, something, a notification pops up that a van is available down at the docks for me to go get. Of course, there's no cars around. Right. So I dive back off the pier, swim to a jet ski and jet ski down around the coast. And as I, I, I you know, as I'm peeling around the corner, there's one of those uh, low slung police speedboats just loitering. <laughs> and I, I don't crash into it. I end up going right up the side of it and jumping over it. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, that's assault in a police. Uh, you of know, course, and you, now you I'm getting fucked chased, up, buddy. But I think now I'm getting chased. I managed to get rid of them because you know you go into the the mini, you know, the Venice canals, if you will. Um, but the fact that they they let you do that and there's no issues with the loading and the yeah. water looks fun. Oh, what and, about the first time that you actually go into the water and you go underneath it? Yeah, and I had you know we'd been talking about how there's this whole undersea thing for weeks, and the, but the first time you dive into the water and you go under like and it's like, oh. Oh God. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like yeah. this undersea world opens up and it looks beautiful. It cost me a gold, a gold medal on that mission because <laughs> I was one second over because <laughs> you were gawking. I, I, I just went, I went looking. Yeah. What do you think about the meddling system? I, I didn't realize that was going to be even a thing until I got to the end of that first mission. Well, so did you play uh gay Tony? The no, I didn't. Okay. So they introduced that whole checkpointing thing in in gate tony i think i think the brilliant thing about it is it doesn't tell you at the beginning of the mission right. hey do all these little checklist yeah. things to get the perfect you got score no idea what it is. it's like the first time through it's like okay play the mission just play it yeah and then when you get to the end you're like okay you want some extra money or some you extra stuff you can go back and replay it. you just you just sold me a feel against for what they some, some for. of them yeah you and i'm like okay, I'm gonna get some headshots i'm gonna yeah. do you know yeah, yeah so yeah. when i saw that last night i was actually like, like damn it if i had known that I would have been, you know, I would have tried to do those things. But then actually what you're saying makes a hell of a lot of sense because what happened was when I was driving the cars across town, instead of trying to meet a speed, you know, like a speed time or pass somebody, I was just enjoying the mission. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and they're they're, actually really smart. And there's some general rules of thumb, right? Like you, you always want to try and get headshots more, you know, a certain number of headshots and you always want to get to your destination as fast as possible. But then there are other little things like, you know, what you buy will sometimes... Yeah. You know, if you buy the, the right three things, it'll give you a oh, little achievement for the mission or whatever. Or, or just going out the way to knock somebody on the head so that they can't disturb you to so you can complete the rest of the mission. And it might be somebody that you don't even know exists uh, until you sort of like really scout. So it rewards diligence. So Marcus, first time you pull this thing out of the box, you stick it in the game machine. How long did you play for? What 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 got you out of your first experience? What, what stood out? Well, I put... um. I bought it at midnight uh, at a midnight thing, and I was determined not to open it until I got up at seven o'clock the next morning. And I, I basically played through from seven till five. Whoa! And I was Whoa. just wandering around. I mean, just even the first character train ch- changeover where you go from Michael to Franklin, and then you you know just exploring Franklin's neighborhood, and you know. So you it. didn't get pulled into those first missions like Jeff was talking about. Well, I, I, I wonder, I wandered around. I mean, the, the, you know, you've got, you, you do have that first mission where, you know, that you, you take the, um, the sports cars that is right. Everybody's I think everybody gets that. That's right. That's, it feeds you into that. But once, uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, it was just wandering and, you know, I, I, I the, walked into the den, sat down on the couch and got high. So well, I, I, I turned the TV, story of my life. I turned the TV channels over. Or after. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, one of the things though, it's interesting. I, I kind of had a, uh, realization, um, you you know, you always talk about feeling overwhelmed with uh, Elder Scrolls right. games, yeah. And I I realize that I often have a real pacing problem with Rockstar games. 
and 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 it's i think it's probably speaks more about me than it does about the games but i find the mission structure in uh the rockstar games as opposed to the elder scroll games to really feel like beginning middle and end within a mission and every time a mission ends i stop but not anymore no, I, because I, you can just hit. Well, see, here's here's what they've done. Why the character switching is so brilliant? Right. Because I know exactly what you're talking about. Where you're like, oh great, I just finished this mission, and now I'm at an airport out in the middle of nowhere, and yeah. it's going to take me ten minutes to get to my. And next. which one do I do? Do I go to the little L on the screen, or the little T on the screen, and or so, what, what do I go? And so then you pop open your character switch, and you go, well, let's see what Franklin's doing right now. Boom, yeah. and then you're over at Franklin, and you're in a populated area, and you're like, okay, now I'm playing him now, and now uh, Michael his, gets back by himself. It keeps the pace like popping. But going back to what you were talking about, you got into Franklin and just decided to wander around the neighborhood. Yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to see what it was like. I mean, I wanted to explore, and you know, I was driving across one of the bridges downtown, and my wife came in, and I, uh, you know, I because one of the the restaurants she uh, she works with is is down there. So I paused the game and said, "What bridge is that?" I was, "Oh, the Sixth Street Bridge." Is that in LA? And then we went down. It's like. Her old office would have, would have been there. And then the next thing you know, winding through because it's condensed. Oh, look, there is the Beverly Center. And now I'm, and now I'm going up and here's, uh, here's you know, Sunset. Can you, can, you go in, can you go into the Beverly Center? You can ride. The, I know you can. Yeah, you can ride. Definitely ride the escalator. Because I've seen the outside escalators yeah, that go up. I think up, you can ride the like, escalator, oh. yeah. Um, wow. But I mean, yeah, it's just there's so much in there. And I, that's always a real kick for me is seeing stuff that I, I, can, I interact with on a daily basis in this virtual environment. So Jeff got pulled into missions. Marcus wanted to just go out and wander around the hood. And what'd you do, Jeff? I have, I w- I basically was, it's, it's the closest thing to role playing I've ever done in a rockstar game in that I basically inhabited like these characters. So if I'm playing as Franklin, I'm messing around with his, he's got a buddy, he's got a dog who eventually, you know, you get, we'll tag along with you. So I was taking him for walks through the neighborhood. You throw a ball, he'll catch it, meeting the local people, uh, a couple of the weirder things that I did that I got distracted by were like uh, I was telling Jeff I did a triathlon my first tri- my first triathlon so that unlocks wait wait there's a triathlon in the game yes. you can do a triathlon there's a series in the exact of- location that I did my actual triathlon yeah it's it's in Malibu <laughs> it's the exact exactly where it is it's the same thing there's a uh, there's a Hollywood like I was up at Hollywood Boulevard right in front of the Man Chinese Theater and I was like okay well it's the Oriental Theater I guess in the game and there was a just a block down, there was a uh, Hollywood tours bus. And so I got on that and for 15 bucks and it was this little thing where you could skip from destination to destination, but it was basically a, you know, 15 stop tour through the Hollywood Hills where they're, Oh, this is so-and-so actor's house. And this is, Wait, but gonna- that's just a sidelight thing. Yeah. That's just like, but oh, that, actually, oh. that taps into, uh, have you had that mission yet? Are you now are you talking about the old couple? Yeah. I did. Yeah. I've done the whole series of missions for the old couple, but yeah. That's how it taps. That taps into a uh, a mission you p- you can pick up randomly. By the way, uh, it's one of the freaks and friends things, which the, by the way feel like fully blown polished missions. Explain it's what the just, freaks and friends things are. It's basically side missions, and you you have question marks on the map. You go investigate it, and it'll open up quest lines with specific contacts. Okay. And they're full, like they're, any they're, other full on, game, really. they're full on multi mission quest lines yeah. too. It's not just like you know do one thing. And, but from what you know, from what he says, I, I didn't. Do, do you know go on the bus but going on the bus once i've already got this other mission 
that's a way to complete that other mission that I didn't even know existed. And that's really cool in itself. I mean, yeah, the, the other things are the, you know, the, the blue dots, the NPCs who are just randomly, all of a sudden you hear a scream, please help, or I've broken down or whatever. Yeah, and you I'm, get to actually what, do good deeds what's in the game. The best one, what's the best one of those you've seen? Um, of the of the random like blue dot missions because mo- a lot there's a lot of muggings and muggings stuff that are just kind of generic. Her snatchers. The first the first one I did was a mugging, um, and the guy you know off, didn't offer me a reward, so I shot him and took his money. Um, then <laughs> that'll teach so, him. So he was going to get mugged, and you save him from getting mugged. And well, you I, reward, I, I, so got, I got it. I got two hundred. His his wallet back, wallet back with two hundred bucks in it, and he wouldn't even you know. It's that it's like he just walked off. I was like, you rude bugger, bang. So you shot him, took a twenty, and threw the hundred eighty on his face on the ground. Now, now, no. I, now, I've heard of stuff like like walking into an ambient event where a store that you're. I'm just going to go buy some clothes. Store's getting robbed while you go in there. This hasn't happened to me yet. And <laughs> if you catch the guy and bring the money back, they're like, oh, here you can have a discount on my store now. Yeah. So it's like it's more than just a wow, little monetary bad. reward. Another one is, um, you know, you, you could be driving and somebody's screaming for help. You know, somebody is being beaten up in an alley and you go and it's an ambush. And then, <sighs> you know, you just go bang, bang. That's, you very, know. that's Red Dead. I mean, they did that in Red Dead. Yeah. I, I, I was in the, uh, uh, I guess, Beverly Hills type area, maybe Hollywood Hills, and driving through a neighborhood and you, I hear, hear this guy and he's like, oh, come on, baby, come on. And <laughs> you like drive. Yeah. And there's a guy standing in his driveway and his wife's throwing clothes off the balcony into the street. And then he asked for a ride. He's like, hey, man, can you take me to the... That's so L.A. But you end up dropping him at the Beverly Hills Golf Club, which looks exactly like the Beverly Hills Golf Club. Almost as L.A. as that opening scene with Michael at his therapist, which, by the way, that that set the scene for me uh, of, of wondering which side of the argument that I've been hearing on Twitter has been right of. Is this game on pitch? Or is this game over the top? And is it is it a just, you know, a a uh, out of control, bad side of society sort of thing. And for those wondering, you know, you'll see the opening scene and I don't feel like this is really spoiling. Michael is at his therapist six later, you know, it's after the uh, opening and, and he basically is having a meltdown to his therapist. And his therapist is very hilariously giving him the same spiel that therapists do. It's, it's a very, very LA moment. It it very much feels like something, you know, that just fits the, the scene. And, to me, up to that point, I was starting to get a sense that, wow, you know what, there's there's some there's definitely some discordance here between the way that this game gets taken by some people and gets taken by others. When we come back on the other side, I want to I want to jump into that. It's a little bit of a controversial subject, but we will do our best to uh, give it the adult try of a conversation. Stick around. We will be back with a second half of We Can Confirm. This episode of We Can Confirmed is brought to you by the Gamefly app, the must-have app for gamers with info on over 50,000 console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get up-to-the-minute gaming news along with thousands of HD videos and screenshots. Get into the action by creating your own profile, post updates about what you're playing, and stay connected with friends and other gamers. Tired of standing in lines? Find great deals on new and used games. Pre-order upcoming titles and get Gamefly's daily deals all from the palm of your hand. If you're already a Gamefly member, manage your game queue on the go and keep games you like with just one tap. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. All right, so let's all just, you know, start off by thinking about it by the fact that, look, this is Grand Theft Auto. There's a reason that it uh, starts so much controversy. It is a game that does not mince words. You know that right off the bat. It has no problems, um, uh, you know, delving right into its subject matter and attempting, as it sees the world, to portray that in the correct way. So, you know, 
It has no problems about, you know, throwing the N-word around as as <laughs> every as, other word. And as seems to be fitting for the characters, if you are taking it that way, but as other people look at it and then say, well, this is really the wrong thing to show people, and you can you can draw now, parallels. Now, now let's clarify too, because yes. it's not like you have I mean, maybe you do at some point, but it's not like you have a bunch of outwardly racist characters. No, it's not. It's not white supremacist correct, black dudes. Correct. It is, it's it, a couple of black dudes hanging is, out it, with each other talking the It's inner city vernacular. Yeah. I, mean, I think, it's, it, I it's think not, the issue is, is, is larger than that. And, and it is larger than that. I will say, and, and I might be, I mean, I guess every party needs a pooper. I might be the one here. Um, I'm, I'm having a real hard time enjoying myself with this game because I, ha- I have moments of, of pure fun and exhilaration with the mechanics and my god we, we didn't even talk about in the last segment my favorite part of the game which is the heists the heists are a blast when you are in a high-speed chase because you got a sack of money and there's cops after you, you got to lose them and you're you're executing this plan that you heard about beforehand and you know what's, what it, it is wild fun it is just so well it's done it's wicked fun man however Almost none of the cutscenes, which of which there are, you know, hours and hours and hours, uh, do I enjoy at all? Wait, now, now, and what is what would be the core reason? Do you think I I, I find because the, the writing's I mean the writing's tight whether you like I find it. the writing to be uneven. I find the I find uh, the and I, and I I mean this is just my opinion, but I find the the parody and the social satire to be pretty easy and not very insightful. Now now I would I would draw a distinction between cutscenes and where the actual, you know, cinematic action is going on and all the ambient talk. I mean, you'll mm. still walk by pedestrians who are like, I got something stuck in my butt and the other guys yeah. like, "Oh, really?" It's just like all these random audio right. things but strung even, together. You know, like uh, uh, for example, one of the first uh Freaks and what are they called? Freaks, Freaks and friends, friends, friends uh, that you encounter is this paparazzi guy. Oh, this, and, this is drawn a lot. Yeah, this is one of the clearly the he, the his whole role in the satire is to is to undermine and make fun of celebrity culture, uh, the the paparazzi as a group, but even even his relationship to the quote unquote stars and young celebrities is is there to be ridiculed and to be undermined and all that stuff. And yet, how it's done is banal. It's simplistic and well, not particularly like interesting. Cat calling at women and well, it, it's 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 worse. I mean, do you remember when hot coffee was a big deal? This game yeah. does hot coffee within the first hour. Yeah, that, that that was that was actually the first moment where I I had to pause the game and I was like, okay, this is. This is embarrassing. I actually called my girlfriend and I was like, you're not going to believe what's in this fucking game. But it's it's more than that. Wait, I, that's the easy stuff. So here's funny reaction. Jeff stopped. Jeff Mattis stopped and chuckled about it and called his girlfriend and they had a laugh over it. And I think you probably had a different response to it. I don't think you were telling Aaron about it. No. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I did tell her about it. But I but, uh, you know, it's not like, hey, honey, come in here and look at this girl getting, you know, whatever. Me having to point a camera while she's there. There's some there. Yeah, there's some pretty graphic. You're taking some pictures of some stuff where you're like i mean i was i was kind of doing a double take looking away from the nobody's around but i was like did they really do this I, I, but i think it's more than that i mean i i brought that example up and it's one of the crasser examples but i think overall tonally overall the whole game it, and every character is is despicable and that's fine but 
they're also not very smart, not very interesting. They, they are, they are, uh, loud and yelling at me all the time. Mm. They're just like the, uh, the voice acting is just as if somebody said, just yell all your lines. It, it, it's really grating the whole thing. Everybody is angry. And there's just this undercurrent of rage at American society or whatever it is, whatever the, the subject of their satire is that just gets so tiring to me. And, and and none of it is insightful. It's all obvious to me. And the characters themselves, like I don't, I love watching an anti-hero. My I do actually thing. wonder often how much of Grand Theft Auto, at least in the prior versions, is intentional satire, and how much of it is the filter of you know an outside studio because you know it's made <laughs> games not made in the United States looking from the outside into the United States and of trying to filter and, and interpret it and, and hit pitch pitch correctly. Like I mean, how much he, of it is trying to hit pitch correctly and how much of it actually is satire? How much of it turns out being perceived as satire because from the outside looking in, that's the way it reflects. I that think is it's a world, pretty clear. That's the worldview on America though. I mean, you look at it, you look at the crap that's on MTV, you look at TMZ and uh, the, the paparazzi missions. I mean, for me, the, the, I feel there's a missed opportunity there. Um, I agree. Where it could have been a case of, all right, because it starts off and your character is ragging on this paparazzo because the guy is obviously tweaking and mentally defunct and whatever. And you have the, op- you know, you have the option to ride a motorbike while he takes these pictures. It would have been great if there could have been more made of, of the initial run-in so that you could even go off and be and do anti-paparazzi stuff where, you know, you start to mix in these environments where uh, you do have more, cele- you know, you have friends who are friends of celebrities and they're looking for somebody to take out the paparazzi or to, to prevent run interference or whatever. I think that they missed the trick there. I think they needed to have, it, it, it feels just that first, that very first paparazzi mission just feels so forced. Why the hell am I getting on this guy, you know, on the bike right. to ride this guy around well, when he's just, he's just being a dick. And I haven't gone, I haven't done any more of the paparazzi missions. I did I'm a not, couple more. I'm just not to interested see, in them. The, the, the thing that bothers me more about so, it is how stupid everybody acts. <laughs> and, and because like, okay. for example, in that mission, you're, you're supposed to be taking pictures of this girl, you know, in, in a is that that's the second mission yeah is that the second one yeah, yeah, the, yeah. First, the first anyway, one you're on the bike but yeah and you like drive him around and you, cat you calls, walk right? to a point and you stand in the middle of the <laughs> in the middle of this open area pointing your camera at the girl well and they make you they make you point the camera for a little bit longer than really you really anybody would, would to. want to yeah. and you, and only a moron who is spying on someone would do it in the middle of the you know like and and i feel like the game is like that over and over and over people act in it moronic ways and i don't enjoy playing as them because not not even just because they're horrible horrendous individuals but because they're stupid about it and i and i'll take issue with what you know i'm jeff i think you were saying that the um the writing is tight yeah i mean i think for example how franklin and michael team up is ridiculous it's contrived it doesn't make any sense there's no reason why those two guys would hang out with each other well, other than the fact that, wait, how they meet up yeah, and yeah. how, how they become buddies. It like, it doesn't, it would, it's the flimsiest, most contrived. It doesn't make any sense. And, and that's why I don't enjoy it. It's more than just horrible people doing horrible acts for literally no reason. Just because they're sociopaths. Well, okay. But, but I would submit to you, and this is where I think the writing is 
a lot smarter than people give it credit for is that, um, and we'll, we'll, this will be a good launching point for Trevor, but to look at that character specifically, I think all three of these protagonists are segments, different segments of the adolescent male psyche that basically you see the entire world through, right? I agree, and I, but that makes me sad. Well, but it's a commentary, right? Most people, most people are not. I don't think that. I don't think that's going to resonate with them. Which is then you have to argue. Well, if your art's so subversive, you know, it does it really work because if people don't get it or whatever. But I would say that that Trevor comes onto the scene and basically for the first time in the history of Grand Theft Auto, we have a character who can do all that stuff. Like I'm going to go motivated. to I'm going to go to the top of a building and start firing rockets in there and get a five star wanted level, which is what everybody talks about doing in that game. This is a character where it's not a stretch to believe that he would do that. Right. And I think that's why he's really important as a, as a narrative pillar and more so as maybe, maybe the lens through which the entire game is, is really presented is that, yeah, you have these characters, but at the end of the day, as a game player, you are doing these horrible things and it doesn't do what most games do, which is give you a very easy sort of like, well, he was being blackmailed into doing it because so and so, or they kidnapped his whatever, or you know, they these people are just bad. These are there's no leverage. He's these, a sociopath. These, it's yeah, not he's just straight up a sociopath. He's a sociopath. Michael's yes. a crim, a career criminal who is a terrible. Per, I mean, the whole the whole first like I don't know half the game. He's talking about when he's at his shrink and all other places. He's talking about what an idiot he is and what a horrible person he is and how he feels like he's you know like he's really down on himself. And then, and then Franklin is sort of the guy who is like, well, well he's I'll, very I'll, Tony Soprano. I'll, I'll, yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah. I'll do whatever. But he doesn't have any of the sophistication of Tony Soprano. No, no. no and I, and I keep hearing no that. nuance. So I want to hear, I want to hear Marcus's thoughts on Trevor. Trevor. Yes. Thank you. My mind yeah, was blanking. Sure. Yeah. Trevor. Trevor's quite possibly the most disturbing character I've played in a video game. Um and you know it's like yeah we've all played the, the the games where we have all these different you know cycles. Did you whatever. did you ever play the game where you played the uh, uh the serial killer inside prison who was Manhunt? condemned? Oh, condemned. No, I didn't. Okay. Um, I played Dungeon Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, so the, so this is my and this is why and I think this is one of the things that. For me, is is why Trevor is a great character to have in the game because he is he's very disturbing. He is a sociopath. He is incredibly smart. He's not exactly you know your your average redneck run around in the backwoods shooting people, making them squeal like bees. He is an intelligent character, and everything he and and that to me because he is intelligent and it is based in a world that we can recognize as pseudo LA. It makes the word. It makes his actions way more thought provoking to me because they have this more deep, thought provoking because they they are they are more within they're they're within a context that I can relate to and is recognizable i mean when he you know you know he does um you know when you first meet him he's doing something and then you know he goes off and you know he loses it with somebody which by the way and i will i don't want to spoil anything but when you meet trevor and this is, and it, it's a scene that speaks to exactly what Rockstar was doing with him. They basically, by the end of that scene, when you first meet him, you're like, this guy is the most fucked up motherfucker that this series has ever seen and ever will see. 
and well, maybe not ever will see, but but this guy is basically worse than any character that we've ever come up with. This guy is the guy who is the player who goes up and gets a five-star warned level and then tries yeah. to escape. This is that guy. He is an and, absolute psychotic sociopath, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he is a lunatic. And, you know, there are people like that in our society. There are people like that in... There's our, certainly people know, like that in our works of fiction. Well, sure. not just work, but not to works, works of fiction. What happened last Monday? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. What happened well, that's, by, back in Newtown in, you know, in that's December? What, that's why it's so difficult for me to have fun. But Trevor is not that guy, though. Like, I don't think he's he would. Not, he's not the one to, to go off, you know, and just. There is always a, the people that he is hurting are gent. I mean, unless you're doing the, the carnage thing to, but I mean, I mean, I have problems with the rampage missions. I really, Oh do. yeah, no, no, no. Those are the rampage the, missions seem out of character. But, like I said, this is why you marry it to his intelligence. Right. And you know, the, the one where it, you're at the audition. Right. That to me is, that to me is quite interesting. So because- you're back to it. You're back to an inconsistency that if I was listening to Jeff correctly, one of the pieces I'm pulling out of listening to you guys is that one of the challenges it has here is that, there's this in-your-face stupidity, undeniable, like, what the hell is going on treatment at times. Sometimes, for some of you more often, I don't think it hits Marcus all the time. Jeff seems to hit you a lot. Of when they're treating what are actually serious issues, and at some points in time, they're just off the rails so far that that you have like this this whole weird experience because it's in your face these characters are doing stupid things they're not handling things in a in an appropriate way and yet they're dealing with very serious issues well there's some flat out like shocking shock have you have either now this has been I got to, i haven't got to them yet but obviously yeah, we, yeah. i mean we we, so, we don't know what's what you're talking about right so this isn't really spoilery ter- there is people have been talking about it on the net it's basically you know a, there's a torture scene an interactive torture scene or you play as Trevor and it is, it is so like on its face disturbing that as a player, I kind of took a step back and I was, and as I was watch playing it, actually, I was like, okay, what are they, what are they trying to do with this? Like, what, what, what is the, what am I supposed to be feeling here? And then at the end, what am I supposed to? And I mean, honestly, I think if you're going to take a giant swing at, you know, torture sanctioned legally sanctioned torture and waterboarding and that sort of stuff if you're going to take a big you know satiristic try to knock it out of the park swing to a to an audience who is spending half their time blowing up cars and all that sort of stuff this is the this is the roundhouse how do you feel about how do you feel about torture in the last of us um it's it's different because you're not actually you know it's not, it's not as like, like this, this is the like torture in the last of us was pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah. But this is like, this is like choose one of five different things to use on this guy. And then it's got a little mini game for each thing. And you're getting reactions from this guy and you're listening to his heartbeat go up or down. I mean, it's like, it's pretty. So it's a little more thought through. It's a little bit more involved, a little bit more player agency in it. And you're, you're much more engaged in torturing well, the person. Well, but, mo- most people will see this thing and, and the, the gut reaction is, holy shit, I can't believe they put this in here. What is, what is, what is this? Like, why would they do this? I think there were people who responded to torture like that in Last of Us. There was well, the- I, it's interesting that you bring up Last of Us because I was thinking about Last of Us a lot when I was playing uh, GTA. And, it, and just because I think the quality of writing in The Last of Us 
and the and the, really the quality of performance, even more than writing, is such that you are allowed to sort of nuzzle up next to these characters and uh, and even you know we talked a lot about uh, Ludo narrative dissonance with that game and feeling like oh my gosh I I didn't want to do what ultimately I had to do at the end of this game, but the circumstances and the the sort of um just the the nuance with which the characters were drawn i think is so much it, comparatively gta is a cartoon well yeah but but you got to keep in mind the linearity of the narrative and how much they could sort of sure and you also got to remember that. that the characters in the last of us are meant to be empathetic 99 times out of 100. Right. I will go back to say that Grand Theft Auto is not fluffy, huggable ponies, you know, the game. Um, these people are supposed to be absolute bastards. And I'm wondering, and this is perhaps something that we are guilty of with regards to our games. We're always guilty of perhaps not extending enough credit to people and, get, you know, saying it's like, did they do something really, really smart there? I mean, you know, you, you raised the point. And then if you look at the, the idea of... Um, you know, that reality show right. that's in the game. Right. Um, is it the sharpest, most intellectual satire you're ever going to get? No, yeah. because it still has to be part of a video game and it still has to be something that is, you know, you can chuckle at or whatever, but if it does make you think, then that's actually a good thing. And this to- this torture scene, I haven't got to, gotten to it yet. Neither have I. But I have gone through and there, there have been several scenes in this game that may have been, you know, maybe innocuous or whatever. But sit, I sit and I think about it. I watch them through. I mean, you know, the first time you go into the strip club and you get a lap dance or whatever. And it's like, okay, how do I feel about this? Do I feel comfortable or not? I mean, do I switch off and this is just a video game? And I take your point about it not being as multi-layered as Tony Soprano. Right. But I think we're doing the rockstar team a disservice by just automatically thinking that they've done everything down. I think they are catering to their audience to a, to a certain degree, but I think if a section of that audience starts thinking about that impact, because you do see the impact of your actions. You do see the impact beyond a, just a five star rating. You do have to go through this. It's like, and it's not exactly, you know, with a smile on your face. I mean, you are a sociopath who has to go and torture somebody. And that should evoke a reaction. We don't have to enjoy every aspect of video games, just like we don't enjoy every aspect. If there's something that we, that in a movie or a book that can make us feel uncomfortable and make us question ourselves and question other people and question us as a society, why can't video games do that? I I think they should. And I, I'm glad that they can. I don't know. I, I want this to give people that experience. I think for me, it's, it's so cynical. It is oh, so, yeah. and there's no relief from it. Every single thing. In How the game, would you provide relief in the context of this game? Blow tons of shit up. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I going mean, to play golf. Does that not provide relief? Tennis or I, I suppose yoga is pretty sweet. The tennis game is actually kind of fun. Yeah, I enjoy the tennis game too. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I, I'm saying there's a lot of fun to be had, and I don't want to. I don't want to lose that. The, the, well, my question the to you would be: it, How can we play this game and not feel like pigs? I think. I think you're. I think you're. At, you're supposed to. 
you're when you step back and think about what you've been doing on a, on a you know especially if you're taking yourself a little too seriously you're supposed to feel like like I'm, like like here's a, this is the most honest artistically honest of the Grand Theft Auto games that I th- I think that I've played and I'm granted mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not done with it but it but it is basically like look all this cynicism all this lampooning everything all this mean spiritedness this was always part of the Grand Theft Auto series but the diff- the difference is is that you know, we were viewing the game through a single protagonist who, by sheer scope of the game, did a whole bunch of stuff that he probably wouldn't. You're you're already like, like walking the fine line between fiction and reality. It's like you know when CJ and San Andreas goes to get a jetpack, you're like, all right, you know, like I, I yeah, you don't have to go. You don't have to take somebody on a date yeah. in this one, right? Yeah, which but is good. I, I'm so I've been wanting to talk to you about this, Jeff, uh, since I started playing the game, and I'm so glad that you're here because I, you know, I. I struggle with it's with, supposed to disturb you is what I'm saying. I don't know if you're right. I honestly I, I feel I feel my gut says that you're giving them too much credit saying that this is one big Banksy on on the public. You know, that this is one giant I, I, I the more the more I play the game and the further along I get through the story and the more I mean, you know, and it does get a lot more interesting in terms of the inner character motivations, but but it, just in terms of what they're doing and what they're lampooning and how they're lampooning it, I can't imagine that it was simply like, okay, here's a whole list of stuff that we have to like, you know, make fun of. It's, it, it's, it's, yes, that's true. But it's also like, how do we create this experience that is basically, so, so if, I, if Grand Theft Auto 4 was, you know, about the illusion of the American dream and not being able to achieve that, this is basically, this isn't the American dream. This is boom. This is LA. This is America satirized, but this is the worst, darkest parts of where the American dream has gone. I think, okay. I think that's one way of looking at it, but another way of looking at it is that this, this entire game is just one giant expression of rage, of angst, of like this teenage 13 year old male adolescent, impotent rage. And these, all these, all three of these characters are male adolescents, Adolescence mentally, like and like I, emotionally. I can't get out of my head the people I was standing in line with to pick up my copy because I don't know if it's going to have that effect on those people. And, and, and what I said. And, and, and the fact that yeah. this is such a mainstream piece of entertainment. Right. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with you. I think that a lot of this stuff is going to go right over people's heads until unless and until they sit down afterwards and go hmm what is this what does all this mean what why do i why was i doing all this stuff why was this game so violent why did they have x y and z in there i think it's a lot more yeah most people aren't going to do that i I just have such a hard time having fun inside this rage machine and i i love the mechanics i love the world i love doing the heists and having that fantasy fulfilled of of being able to go anywhere and do anything i want and knock over things and all that stuff is so fun but inside the shouting rage field like michael's interaction with every single human being he comes into contact with and that ultimate disregard for humanity at every turn and just lack of decency in any respect right. at any point and the narrative is so ref- difficult for me it just grinds me down man and, the, and i think the story reflects that right he's not he's not being rewarded for being such an asshole his you know, his life well, is basically you, falling apart and he's getting sucked back into the crime world. You know? But it's, if you look at that dollar sign next to your character's name, 
it is being it, there's this which it, which, it, which by the way I have to sidetrack for a second the economy in this game is so much better than any other Grand Theft like money I actually feel matters there's stuff that I'm saving up for to yeah. buy in to, this game to buy buildings yeah. but I mean yeah but anyway sorry I I get where you're coming from unfortunately I don't think uh, one thing I'll disagree with you both on is I don't think it's just this adolescent rage I think there are a lot of people male female of lots of ages who feel like the you know their lives are falling apart and they are railing against the dying of the light if you will that the american dream has become an american nightmare and that there are people who you know crime is the only option and i'm not trying to be a bleeding heart liberal here or criticize every single aspect of everything but it is you know if you if you look at it i mean we do our televisions are filled with shitty reality shows. Our talk radio or our radio is and our TV and news stations are now annexed between the left and the right. People aren't delivering just facts. They, it's how to incite, how to incite consumerism. Buy this, Fear, buy that. Yeah. If you if you don't buy this, the guy in the hood will come and uh, you know, he'll come and shoot you or whatever. And I think on that level, and I, I think you know this also this also taps into the people who are playing gta and the people who shouldn't be playing gta and i think that's an that's an age issue i saw so many kids there with their parents this game should be an adults only game i you know what i absolutely yep. agree with you on this i so strongly agree with you about this and, and this some is adults it's not a even smart them. move well, yeah, for the yeah. industry it would be a smart move for all involved because obviously there the first thing I find it absolutely insulting that any parent in 2013 would claim ignorance as to what is in Grand Theft Auto. That is the most appalling statement of of parenthood I can like that's just yeah. appalling. There's if if you Grand Theft Auto is a series that has been around over a decade. It has been publicized through every channel possible known to man. It has been Linked, almost 20 years it has been linked it has been attempted to be linked to countless horrible mainstream mass yeah, news yeah, stories if you're, if you're a parent that if bought, you're still sitting yeah. around going i'm gonna buy this for my 12 year old grant wait grant theft auto is bad then you're guess what me. you are the abomination of the week if that is yeah, if that kidding. is what you're doing but I, you know yeah. there's i think there's a lot of parents that go well not my kid my kid can handle it. But that's the problem. Everybody says that their kid can handle right. it. And this is where we have a, a generation of bad parents who think that their little cherub is so precocious and so smart. And 99 times out of 100, said little cherub is a little scrote who, you know, is inches away from just, you know, needing the crap kicked out of him because the parents will just put him in timeout and instead be, of slapping the shit out of him. To be completely honest. Well, I don't slapping an a o. <laughs> oh, I look. I am totally uh, advocating that if a child misbehaves, has a temper tantrum, or whatever. I mean, you know, you try, you try certain things, but there's nothing wrong with a slap on the ass. Well, the views of <laughs> Marcus Beard views, do not necessarily reflect yeah, the views of the rest of the panel or whatever. Podcast. Anyway, slap. But here's the reality: is slapping, and the reason I said it came out so strongly about that is I, I said is this: slapping an a o on the front of the package at the end of the day has no more impact than slapping an E or a T13 or any other sticker on the package. Because the bottom line is, it will still find its way into the hands of kids. What it does do is it makes an even stronger statement of, hey, parents, this is a adult piece of fiction. 
And but my what, question, I, I, I've got, you guys talk, I'm going to talk for just a second, because I had a couple of thoughts as I was listening to all this. I, I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Like, like, is Grand Theft Auto an immature gangster fantasy? Well, I think that that's a, I think the thing, or, 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 or is it a satirical commentary? Or is it, is it some sort of like weird outward viewed reflection of the underbelly of American society. I would say yes. It's, it's all of yeah. these things. And I think that one of the weird things about it is the game has grown. It's so big and it has so many things going on in it that at times it dips into all of these pieces. And I think that if you're even just building and designing a game this large, there's going to be times where you think, you know, you're, there are times where your design head is simply an, I'm going to make a cool experience. And the cool experience is going to be whatever this cool experience is. And there's other times when you're thinking, you know what? We're in the middle of this and and suddenly it dawns and you know what? This is what's really fucked up about this situation and I'm going to make a commentary about it. And then there's going to be another time when you're like in the thick of it and you're going to go, you know what? I'm going to crank this bitch up to 11. And you're not going to think about how, oh, you know what? Cranking this up to 11 right now is going to mean a torture scene that's like really like that. Nah. Maybe that wasn't the best idea. And it, it hits on all of those things. And then circling back to what Marcus is talking about, like that is why it needs to be played and seen and interpreted by someone who has any, you know, a world experience level to be able to understand and filter and see those things. Well, we and, still, yeah, we still live in a, in a world, sadly, where video games are largely viewed by the ignorant as toys. Yes. Yes. Well, what we're looking at here, guys, is what is going to turn out to be the highest grossing media product of all time. Yeah. Until it's unseated, but yeah, no, but it's already it's going to that, that already that, so fast. This like is hundred million in its launch eight, day, eight hundred million in its first twenty four hours. Yeah, it's it's absurd. Million. So I, I it, it has to be, I think, appreciated in that context of everyone is experiencing this. Yeah, everyone, anybody that plays video games is experiencing. And we this. live in a society where our society will blame this game for all of its ills and all of its problems that come up in the next, you know, three, four years. Anytime somebody goes crazy, they're going to, I mean, they, they do that right now. It's but like, every, they did it with Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah. Like how and everyone they, yeah, can experience exactly. Dexter and everyone can experience Californication and everyone can experience at all. You know, it doesn't Thank mean, you. doesn't mean that we're going to go become, you know, serial killers. And I, and, I would right. say, sorry to interrupt, but I would say the kids should not be watching Dexter. Kids no. should not be watching Californication. No. And, and yet they, they are doing that too. This is the problem. The only country in the world where you get to do this shit is this country. In Britain, if you're under 18, you don't get in to see an, 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 an 18 rated movie. In uh, you know in in the you know Europe they they treat violence with more respect and reserve than they do nudity. You can see nudity, you can see sex, you can't see violence on the screens. You know how you know how Damn Germany. Good treats idea that. in my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas here, you can be somebody who's had two run-ins with the cops uh, with guns, have called the cops to say you're hearing voices, and still get a military pass to get on a military base with an AR-15. Yeah. That, I'm sorry, Grand Theft Auto. We can five. confirm political commentary has gone insane. Well, no, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's a great it, point, though. It's, right? it's, it's, you know, it is a good that's point, where yeah. you have the Elizabeth Hasselbecks of this world saying violent video games and anybody who buys them should be on a register. No, well, that is Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. No. Everybody who has a mental problem shouldn't be allowed near a gun, and anybody who right. buys a gun should be put on a register. And, and Elizabeth Hasselbeck does listen to this show, so I'm glad you said that. <laughs> um, well, no, but you know, never know. Maybe if you say her name often enough some dumb flunky at fox will follow this up and we'll we'll, we'll put it up <laughs> plus an do you angel want to dies. know something really worrying i, I, I have a things. license to own 
uh, guns in the state of California. All right. On that note, I don't believe. <laughs> no, but, I, mean, I would just a, like to take back everything I said earlier. On the I, show. Don't, I don't own them. I just went to get the license to see what it was like. And I mean, this is the problem. So did you have you to know, show them that you, uh, you, know, you had a stable history, that, that you understood how to use a firearm, respect it, all that kind of stuff? You did all that, right? Well, I actually did. Um, I did a course. Okay. I actually did a, did a course. But the course is optional. I, I just want to say, don't have to do I just want to put a cap on, on, on my feelings, lest they be misunderstood. And that is... Oh, they'll be misunderstood. Uh, oh, yes, I know. Uh, I don't have a problem with sex in the game. I don't have a problem with violence in the game. I have a problem with participating in a narrative that seems to be devoid of humanity. And that is not fun for me. And also isn't to the intelligence level that you would hope it would be because of the severe, because of the sincerity of the serious degree of things that they're talking about. You feel I, like they're not. What the I love my two, two right? of my favorite TV shows of all time are the shield and breaking bad. Both main characters do despicable, horrible, horrible violent, yeah, yeah. sexual things, right? Well, less, less so in the second one, but, um, but they're extraordinarily smart. And you get to see the machinations of them working through things. And there's humanity in side characters, in, 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 even in them, right? And you see that. Here, I have a hard time just with the relentlessness of the cynicism and the lack of general human decency. And that's what I was talking about. Is I think it's because it, the game has gotten so very large and it's doing so many things that it isn't that compact the shield experience that has such a tight focus has a great cast has a character with a purpose. It's the, it, it, it knows what it is and what it's doing day in and out and where it day out and where it's going over its character all, over its arc. And this is this burgeoning. There's no thing motivation. These things. Yeah. There's no I, motivation for any of these characters other than they're just so pissed off. I would actually say that this, um, with regards to just making people think about stuff, this glamorizes, the violence and um, you know the the criminal element and the sociopaths. This glamorizes them way less than the Shield, mm. way less than Goodfellas. the Sopranos, Goodfellas, because those are antiheroes you root for. You can't root for these people. They are despicable human beings across the board. I mean, Franklin but you're participatory. is. But Franklin is going down that, and is, he is the one who is the one who is starting to go down that route. But the other two in particular are revolting human beings but they don't i mean and, and that's the thing they're not glamorizing they're actually showing that these guys are evil bastards really they're not up. showing that they care for their grandmother or they'll buy a cup of tea for a hobo or whatever they actually show that these guys are scum and you are participating in that and if anybody if if only 20 percent of the people who buy grand theft auto take away how bad these people are that can only that could be a good thing it's disappointing mm. the other 80 percent are dumb as a bag of hammers but it would be you know it'd be so nice that you know this game is encouraging people to discuss but what what is too far i mean what's the difference between this guy and martin um any you know any lead character in a martin scorsese uh, gangster film do you think but do you think that looking at it in the context of the most profitable single product in the history of humanity potentially was what we're looking at here do you think that what people who are trying to make money are going to take away from that is that I, I, I would argue that, and this is what I would say about anything uh, is that you cannot put that onus on the artist. I it's suppose you're right. It's all about interpretation. 
All right. How about we grab a breath of air? We can stow our soapboxes. Uh, I think we'll have lots more to talk about Grand Theft Auto. I want to jump in. I want to be able to jump into this conversation more, but I feel I haven't played enough of it. So I we'll need take to go uh, report Marcus's gun ownership. We'll <laughs> I, don't, I don't own a gun. I just have the license. <laughs> I'm just we'll take a breath. We'll come back with a uh, short final segment where we'll have uh, some of your questions and we'll kibitz about some of that stuff. And then we have the tailgate coming up and uh, all that still to come on this weekend. Confirmed. To uh, Jeff Canada, uh, sorry, I was almost looking at Jeff Mattis and thinking, looking down here. Well, you're welcome. Thanks but... to uh, Jeff Canada for the Arcade Fire recommendation. There, it's good. It's their new single. It's nice good. One. Reflector. I recommend them too. Just I don't know who they are. <laughs> All right, so uh, definitely look forward to getting your feedback on our Grand Theft Auto conversation. I am looking forward to coming back and talking about it again next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will have Andrea Renee on next week as well, so we can get a a female's perspective on that, which I think will also be a valuable contributor. Ooh, can I come back for that one? Do you want to? You're welcome to. There's a chair. You're absolutely welcome. I've never been on with Andrea. She's rather fun. We know it would be awesome. You're absolutely welcome to. I might, this I is might a, just do that. You know, we're a free and open society <laughs> like of podcasters here. <laughs> I'll bring my gun license. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Andrea's coming, so we might bring booze. I, look, this is That's like, this is is like my eighth weekend GTA confirmed, discussion. and I've been threatened with booze so many times, and nothing's ever materialized. Hey, oh. You, sir, are a cock tease. I've been called worse. <laughs> Uh, so let's see. Let's dive into a couple of things here. This one I thought was actually really interesting. Greg Spencer, who is uh, at Pixelated Soul on Twitter, asked us, how much do you think we can attribute the day one sales of GTA to the fact that it's a well-loved franchise that isn't an annual release? And how many other franchises would benefit similarly? Great question. What do you guys think, think about it's that? A, it's a significant it's an event that yeah. the Grand Theft Auto comes out. It's not a, hey, every November, there's a new Grand Theft Auto. It's like a Harry Potter book. So in the landscape of this fall's releases, how would you think it would apply to Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, Battlefield? Let's just take those three. Assassin's Creed, Battlefield, Call of Duty. What if one of them hadn't been around last year and they were coming back after a couple of years off? To be fair, Battlefield wasn't around last year. When did three Uh-oh, come out? Oh, yeah. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah. So they do a good job I of maintaining that, it. I think the game right. that benefits the most from would benefit the most from that would be Assassin's Creed. I think uh yeah. I think those types of games tend to benefit more. Assassin's Creed isn't isn't gonna be in any kind of um, you know, esports esque uh, multiplayer, you know, ladder building <laughs> environment. Um I think so. I think having missing that game would would be more uh, impactful to that series. I think Call of Duty doesn't seem to be slowing down. This new one has what didn't they set a record for pre-sales? Yeah, but and, it does sort of put a cap on what you can expect from those games. You know, if anything that's got a yearly installment, you're you know that it's not going to be 
It's yeah. friggin' Madden, dude. An event, yeah. yeah. It know. is. It is does become Madden. You're right. Yeah. And those those games sort of fall into that. So maybe Assassin's Creed is the best of these to look at. And yeah. I think what's interesting about Assassin's Creed to me is I think that three might well have genuinely benefited from that because I think true. That, and it's I think it was so surprising that they had that new numbered sequel so quickly. Yeah, it's they, it's stunning. Yeah, I would like to see. I mean, all of the games you mentioned, I would like to see not going on a two or three year hiatus, but a four year hiatus. I would like to see them vanish for four years, bring out expansions, bring out downloadable content, keep them going in that way. Not make us play up, pay you know sixty, seventy bucks every you know every twelve months. I really would like to see Call of Duty put the bed. I mean, it's so. Oh, I don't ridiculous. think you're alone on that one. Well, you know, apart from the, the you know the, the the dumb proletariat. No, I think that, uh, I think that, well, I know I think that folks who really enjoy the multiplayer side would be perfectly happy for them to institute a really strong multiplayer long term sol- support solution and and figure out what to do with the single player side of the campaign. Well, I think single player is moot on Paul. It has become moot, but it, that's the part that needs to And it's rest. a shame because Modern Warfare had one of the best single player campaigns of any shooter, in my opinion. The original Modern Warfare. It was really, yeah, I I thought, it. You was know, really good. I, I thought it was fantastic, and the Infinity War guys really nailed it. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see Call of Duty. I mean, you know, make it subscription based. Take it off our shelves. Take it, you know, and the people who can play it can play it. I mean, it, I think with GTA. I think um, what Rockstar do that's very smart is since the last GTA, we had Red Dead. Mm-hmm. And Red Dead was an excellent game. Yeah. And Different studio, but d- I mean. But it's still, it's within the Rockstar banner. Right. And, and it basically was GTA in the West. But uh, yeah, uh, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't GTA 1.5 or right. whatever. They, they are adept at managing their brand and producing games that suit their brand. And they do them at a consistently high level now that people can appreciate and look forward to the next one. Assassin's Creed 4, though, to me, seems to be defying my my perception. So my thought there was, Assassin's Creed 3 would have been great if it had time off. But now, and maybe it's just that they've gotten so good at their marketing. I mean, Stone is excellent at spinning a... I mean, he's fantastic. He's, he's brilliant. He, he is, is a brilliant freaking PR genius. Guy. And and Black Flag is right there in the perfect spot. Seems to be back in every everyone's forgiven three and hyped for Assassin's Creed again. Oh, it's pirates and, and pirates are the pirates are the new hot thing. Pirates are the new zombies. Well, and it's open world. And today is talk like a pirate stuff. day. By the way, Did awesome. You know that? Yes, it is talk like a pirate day. Um, I saw a funny tweet. Somebody wrote. Uh, it's weird that Talk Like a Pirate Day also falls on the same day as For the Love of God, Please Stop Talking Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> <laughs> You'll notice we were abstaining. No, I think we, we, you made the great point. Assassin's Creed Black Flag, it should have been Assassin's Creed Black Flag. It shouldn't have been Assassin's Creed 4. Yeah. And then that should have been the game that we will get now and we won't get. Ideally, it would have been the game coming out next year. And then a year after that, maybe three, you know, so three years between three and four. That's when we get four. That would be nice because it also encourages companies to do something a little bit different on the off season. And I'm not saying, look, we're going to do Assassin's Creed midgets. <laughs> I would, I would totally play. But I mean, call it time bandits. <laughs> with, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I see, I would play a time bandit scene. But I mean, basically, I would, they don't need Assassin's Creed every year. They mean, well, they mean need it. We don't need it. Right. We don't need Watchdogs every year because you know that crap's going to happen. Uh, we <laughs> oh, don't God, need I Call of not. Duty every year. We don't. I mean, 
every time you do a mission in that game, somebody's like, oh man, why did you have to kill him? <laughs> <laughs> You're a bad person. Why did you do that? <laughs> the show's An- another, been brought to a halt. Another <laughs> Macy's Christmas ruined. <laughs> Jeff's hand has left the building. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> I just started thinking about that, what that game might be. <laughs> we can't stage our revival of Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even know how to bring that back. So let's go in another direction. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we have from uh, you guys. We have uh, Going Commando 117 asking us about what's the best and or worst industry trend of the currently ending generation of games and what trend will take off in the next three years. So I'll kick this one off because I actually had a thought that I wanted to engage you guys on. I would say that the best that became the worst trend of this generation that will have a dramatic change in the next three is downloadable content. Because downloadable content... You think it became the worst? I think it became the worst. Why? Because of monetization of downloadable content or... Because of how it changed the way development of games takes place and what it did for franchises and the way it's been used as extenders and extensions and not lived up to where we hoped it would be. We talked about the Ballad of Gay Tony. Now, that's fucking DLC. That's something that's serious and worthwhile and and really awesome. And there have been a few instances of that. But all too often, the DLC has been much more of how can we add some extra frosting on this cake? What can we do over here? What can we do over there? And while that's nice, well, and, and, and for people who really enjoy the game, sure, those DLC packs are, are entertaining. It, it's now part of the roadmap at the beginning, right? Exactly. You know, it's no longer like, well, if our game does really well and our fans want more, we're going to make another awesome set of levels. Do you remember it's, when I used to come visit you with expansion packs yes, on the I PC? Do. I do remember when you used to come visit me with expansion packs. Hey, man. And, and here's the difference. I mean, here's, and here's you know, cool. going, back to the, going back to the cyclical nature that we were talking about of the year in and year out thing. There's something to be said about the halos of the world and the way the halo you know system of it comes out every so often and there's a necessary gap between games because the amount of time it takes to build the game is sufficient for it to take you know it takes two and a half three years so it's a two and a half three year process so these other games you know part of what's going on and the reason you're getting them year after year after year after year is that they're rotating different studios i mean we're, this has been very upfront with activision and the way they manage you know, call of duty but it's the same thing that ubisoft is doing you know with act with a uh, with a uh, uh, assassin's creed it's not mm-hmm. the same group doing it and so you've got different creative teams coming in on games and then so now you add into the mix the way dlc has worked and then that's even other creative teams you know you look at like borderlands 2 I was super pumped for Borderlands 2. Immediately bought the uh, the season package. And yet, I have to say that, like, other than the expansion that they did themselves, Gearbox, I had to think most of it, like, the pirate one was okay. And the rest of it was sort of, it, it just didn't do anything. It wasn't, it wasn't great, more great Borderlands for me. It was like, well, here's more Borderlands. And yeah. that was okay. But I would much rather have just had a great Borderlands 2 experience and then not have been teased with sort of, you know, middling DLC stuff, let resources be used in other places, be working on Borderlands 3 for two years from now. Let me start getting excited about that. And then, you know, 
again, flashing back, DLC, the promise of it at the beginning when it first started coming on, we were like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. The games that we love are going to be so fucking awesome because Mass Effect 2 is going to come out and I'm going to not just like play Mass Effect 2 and be done with it, but then I'm going to get more Mass Effect 2. And there were some good stories in there, but not everybody plays them. And some of the ones missions are good and some of them aren't. And then, you know, you flash forward to, to Mass Effect 3 and you know, like we talk about Borderlands 2. I just think that that the that the whole world of DLC has twisted 180 degrees over this generation. I like the way Bethesda did DLC for Fallout New Vegas and Skyrim. They I did Fallout New Vegas very well. I know that. Yeah, I know, I don't sure like how, well, I don't like how they put everything on console first. <laughs> And that they screwed the PC owner, but I liked the fact that you had four or five pieces of DLC spread out over an 18-month period. And it was, you know, for New Vegas in particular, I thought it was a very, very good way to expand and take you back to that game. Did it not tickle either of the Jeff's fancy on the DLC subject? You know, I'm sitting here trying to find a way to disagree with you. and uh, You don't have to. You just... No, I, I, I don't. I don't. I, um, I'd like to say that it, you know, it's it's... A great way to, as you said, extend the experience. But I haven't personally dipped very often. Very, very rarely do I dip. Even with my favorite games, Skyrim, I did. Oblivion, I did. Um, you know, it's it's very rare that I that I don't dip into the DLC stuff, and it's too bad because it does. It, the idea of it is great, but um, so I think that then to springboard into the trend of the next three years. I think that the idea of it is cool to us because when we play a game that we love, we want more and more and more and more. We want right. more experience, right? And I think what's going to be really cool in the coming three to five years is that rather than just trying to figure out how to paste on more missions and character pieces as DLC, that we'll find that that game developers and designers that are really savvy will incorporate all of those things that happen down the line into that original plan, but they'll do it through a number of mediums, whether it be through companion apps that are on your different devices, whether it be through experiences that you get through the net, whether it be through, you know, continuing adventures because they make it a, an episodic game or a serialized game. I think that the idea of, I think that like, to bring it full circle, Marcus talking about being, you know, years ago, working PR for PC games and bringing me an expansion pack because he sold me a $60 game a year ago and now he's going to sell me a $20 expansion pack. DLC was just still thought of by publishers in a very traditional sense of I'm going to sell you a $60 well, game and, and, and even, then I'm going to sell you something that goes on top of and it. And even better, you'd get it for free a lot of the time. Like like in the early PC days, DLC was just like, hey, we made another map. We made a map pack for you. You know, you, like, you'd basically you'd get that you get the free multiplayer maps, but then you pay for the single player. Content. Right. Yeah, and exactly. That, and that was the that yeah, was a good exactly. Balance. I have a worrying trend. OK. Pre-order bonuses. That's a worrying trend for you. Because, look, it started off and it was kind of cool. Oh, look, you know, I get this and I can get this cool outfit or whatever, yeah, yeah. pre-order here <clears> or whatever. But now it's got to the stage that I've got GameStop, Target, Best Buy, um, Walmart. I've got, you know, Amazon. I've got five <clears> different places where I can pre-order my game and five different places where there's actually cool pieces of of content that I can only get from those places. And Are I they can't, that cool, though? I got, no, no, a, I got a blimp in GTA I 5, I got a blimp yo. as well. I got, the, I got the blimp, too. Uh, is that cool? But, but no, I'm just saying that there are, you I'm know, funny, you yeah. look at, say, um, what is it, um, Watch Dogs. There's a hacking tool, I think. There's a, an extra hour's worth of gameplay that actually comes in with one of the pre-order yeah, bonuses. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. 
Yeah, and it's that. like I said, it started off with something cool and innocuous, like you know, oh, here's the co- here's the code. Go back for to the, Batman. The gold gun, the gold gun in Gears of War, the gold, yeah. uh, you know. Chainsaw. How did you feel about Catwoman being a pre-order only? It's kind of ridiculous. I I, I kind of don't like it. And honestly, in the next, it's not going to happen in the next three years. What I'd like to see in the next five years is that we can eventually get to this digital only world where stuff is downloaded. So the middleman get the fuck out. So we can well, actually have the game that we want. We can have well, every it's not aspect. Stop of the pre-order game. bonuses, though. Yeah, yeah, but who they? Well, so it's like uh, all right. Pre-download it on your. We'll pre-download it on your hard drive of your PS4, and in, if so you who, pre-download it, who's going to give you the? Yeah, but I mean, it's not going to be a case of oh, pre-download this from GameStop, pre-download this from Amazon, pre-download because it's actually going to eventually nullify those brick and mortars to a certain degree and i know amazon's not well, so you're, you're, none of those downloads are brick and mortar but, but, no, but i'm saying you know you take it out of not going to GameStop, but you're not going to any of these ones so your objection places. isn't the pre-order bonus as much as it's the fracturing of multiple pre-order bonuses well, across it's the, the network it's the, of fracture, it's the fracturing of a gameplay experience to appease a bunch of corporations that that really you know just have their thing you know just want to make as much money out of games as possible and really don't give a shit and therefore will sell games to almost anybody and you know will encourage parents to come out and buy grand theft auto for their for their kids because these guys don't i'm have sure a, a lot of them interest. are just buying it for the blimp that's really the <laughs> but i mean but i mean great yeah. you know that's i think that's the problem is fragmenting the game experience and it's it it's gone from a cool gun or a cool skin t-shirt whatever to an hour of gameplay or a thing something that doubles your hacking time or um you know horse armor <laughs> that last one's sarcastic but i th- i i i would like to get the full experience for my game and i i I, sh- I would like not to have to pre-order it at five different places to try and get a code or or or, or if they do do that on week 1 week 2 give me give me a place where i can go hey you bought it from here. Here's all the other stuff for five bucks or whatever. You know, like like I'll get I'll give you your little. You know, you got a couple of weapons. Skins, How about you, got you a bought of, it and you get it? Like, well, that that's that's even you're, more preferable. You're you're not paying extra for it when you pre-order it at at retailer one, right? So retailer two and three also have pre-order bonuses. How about sometime down the road if you pre-ordered it, you can also get those other bonuses because they they got they they did what they were supposed to. All the pre-order bonus is doing is trying to get you to. But make your purchase through retailer oh, that's, one. That's even better. So to bump up the day one. Or to and, bump and after up you've the made that purchase, why not let me have the pre-order bonuses for the other retailers? Because you know, eventually, or we yeah, make it make them like a timed yeah, mini time exclusive. Or or yeah, but it's all. I mean, let's face it. How many games? I mean, you know, some games like you know GTA, Skyrim, etc. You know, you're going to be playing for hundred plus hours because there's so much going on right, in there. Sure. But how, you know, what's the point in a pre-order bonus for a game that's only 15, uh, 15 hours long that you finished in the first three or four days and then all this other stuff comes out. I mean, I, I just don't like pre-order bonuses when they are, you know, if you want to do them, make them a friggin' t-shirt, make them a baseball cap, make them something innocuous. Don't impact the actual game experience. Give us the whole game experience because it's as bad as charging three ninety nine for downloadable content that's already on your disc, and you're basically downloading a three kilobyte file that just unlocks stuff. Yep, I'm behind that. Yep. So I finished Witcher two this week. Great game. Really, yeah. really thrilled about finishing Fantastic Witcher two. Game. I have to tell you, especially as I was going through the final act, which goes a lot faster. And just seeing all of the impact of things, that this is another trend that I think uh, will happen a lot more in the next three to five years, is 
this this incredibly dynamic world where experiences are much more dictated by what you do and that you don't always even know necessarily. And actually, I love the idea of not knowing. And hopefully I'll have more occasions where I will reach an event in the game and have to do as I did a couple of times, especially in the last act of stopping the game and getting up. And in one case, I actually stopped the game, walked into my uh, bar, poured myself a scotch and was like, hmm, I got to think about this for a minute. I got to really think about this for a minute because I really, really, really want to go do action A. But I really, really, really know that if I don't go do action B, that's really fucking going to be a bad decision. And neither of them were wins. Neither of them were losses. It was just a really, really interesting, like, I really, I really want to go do A, but man, I, I know I have this relationship with this character and this character and I, like, we both respect each other and we know that, you know, we both can, we know we both can handle our shit. So I think they would understand if I didn't go take care of this right now. And if this other event happens and this person gets this, you know, powerful situation in their hands, wow, that could be really bad. I, I, I think I better go deal with that. But I mean, I really want to go like, this is my the CD project is so good with not only, not only with those gray, like ridiculously gray decisions, but also on the content side of it, when you make one of those decisions, you might actually, it's not just going to be like most games where you make decision a, and the dude that's with you is now mad at you through the mission or, or then he's happy with you. If you choose decision B it's it, no, it's like you may actually get a whole little piece of content or a whole set of missions or a whole new area that you don't, get an opportunity and, and Jeff, to see. I would maybe like, submit to you that part of the you've played The Witcher 2 and you love it and you love, love that it. sort of game. So part of the filter that you apply I think to even a Grand Theft Auto is is this game Grand Theft Auto something of an anachronism by now because I don't have choices. I don't either mm-hmm. you know what? You're giving me only this one path and and mm-hmm. I should be able to do something different. Mm-hmm. And I've had that experience now and you know what? I think this would be much better for it. Just, mm-hmm. just throwing out there. Maybe it's anachronistic. Especially when you see a character do something that is on its face counterproductive to their stated goal. And you're like, I wouldn't do you this mean, right you, now. You I mean wouldn't. like Joel in The Last of Us? Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. You're talking about, you're talking about uh, that's, GTA. That's where we're going. All right. Uh, productive to our goal will be our finishing move. So let's knock them out, boys. It's the weekend, and it's time for Finishing Moves. All right, I'm going to jump right out there because I want to give a huge, huge, huge thank you to the Smoking Tire podcast who uh, had me on this past week. And that was about the most fun I've had in, like, you guys, I, no offense, but you know I'm a car guy. And, like, sitting around with a bunch of dudes and talking about cars for a while is <laughs> pretty fucking awesome. We had a great, great time. Uh, I think the podcast is up this week if you want to listen to it. Uh, we talked about everything from uh, cars that I've had to stupid uh, car tricks that we've all done, uh, speeding tickets that I've gotten. And we also uh, did a review of a Mini Cooper. So uh, we had lots of good stuff in there. Pretty sure that uh, that they liked me. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that I get to go back. We actually, we not only talked about going back, uh, we also maybe talked about doing uh, some Le Mans racing. If you're familiar with the uh, Le Mans you know, are you familiar with that at all? Oh yeah. So I might, might I might get to do some lemons racing, That's and you know, cool. maybe some press car. I don't know. This is a blast. I was, I'm in, I'm in. It sounded like you said lemon racing. Well, that's basically what it is. Lemons, lemons. 
So basically, it's a play on Le Mans. Oh, so you're not actually going off the track because no, no, that no, would be awesome. No, I would actually, I would help fund a Kickstarter to send you uh, to Le Mans to do 24 hours. Wow. Because I think it would be hysterical. It would be hysterical. By the way, and, and on a side note, if you uh, haven't been watching, uh, you should check out on Velocity, Patrick Dempsey uh, in a four-part four, uh, four miniseries on his road for Dempsey mm. Racing to Le Mans. And Patrick Dempsey's serious racer and is not just like a gentleman actor race. It's a very, very good miniseries on Velocity. Hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah, Smoking Tire, big thanks to those guys and looking forward to hopefully doing more of that. Cool. Who wants to go next? Don't all go once. Jeff Mattis. Uh, I'll go next. <laughs> uh, so my finishing move is a, uh, I was playing uh, with the iFruit app when it would occasionally log in. This is a companion app for iPad and iPhone. Uh, that to Grand Theft Auto. To Grand Theft Auto 5. And it allows you to do stuff like I have uh, trained my dog so that he can now sit and shake. Um, but there's, then that actually affects in-game like GTA 5 proper. You can do some custom vehicle ordering and stuff. Uh, the problem with it is that, uh, you know, you probably read about it if, or if you've tried it, so Rockstar Social Club has been you can't tits log, up for you, you a while. You can't get logged in. No, no. It's it's really, really sporadic. They're trying to fix it, whatever. But when they do fix it, it's going to be pretty cool. So, scary, did you, um, scary what that bodes for the actual online game. Did you, uh, did you check out the manual? Because yes. the manual is also an iOS. I did download the 111 manual. 111-page iOS manual for Grand Theft Auto. I thought you went for iFruit, then that would be hysterical. <laughs> that would be hysterical. No, this uh, pro tip, uh, something that I just learned the other day, too. This I was wondering when you're selecting characters in the weapon wheel of – or not the weapon wheel, the character wheel. for. No, Grand you Theft can just Auto think of it as weapon wheel. Yeah, they're all weapons. It's Freudian slip. Uh, it sometimes there's a number next to each character portrait and missions they have available. That is exactly it's the number of activities that they can do. I ain't read no bloody manual. <laughs> well, that's not even in the manual. I just happened Crisis. to yeah. <laughs> 111 pages. They couldn't get that in there, but but anyway. Uh, so so yes, the iFruit app is cool if you're into GTA 5. It allows you to do some little things to your uh, uh, in-game experience. That's that's kind custom of cool. license plates. Yes, and I also uh, just uh, on a closing note, I set up a. I'm probably gonna regret doing this. I set up an IndieJeffMattis at gmail.com email address. I know there's been some indie developers trying to get a hold of me, and I'm kind of hard to track down right now. That would be a good go-to if you have any correspondence you need to get my way. I N D I E. I N D I E. Jeff Mattis, yes, at Gmail. I uh, just want to have one last plea to the audience. I'm not above begging at this point. Go watch Double Jump. We made it with you guys in mind, Christian Spicer and I. Uh, there's one more episode that's coming out, um, and uh, John Davison, friend of the show, Johnny English himself was on this week. Uh, I'm. We were talking about what it's like to feeling like you're inside a video game. Called me a GTA. drunk. <laughs> I remember him when he was the editor of Guardian PC watched. Zone in the UK. Um, and um, we we have one more episode, and that is uh, Randy Pitchford, and he says some pretty shocking stuff. I think it's really funny. Um, please watch. We want to make more of them. It's a good show. Yeah. Yep. Marcus, you get to bring it home. It's on YouTube. Yeah, so I'm going to give thanks this week to the idiots in the mainstream media who have fulfilled yet again 
my low levels of expectations for them with regards to attacking Grand Theft Auto, Call of Duty, or whatever, and totally fl- firing me up for my next Annoyed Gamer. And not only that, I'm doing NBC LA on Saturday. And i got to say, those guys were actually, the bizarrely enough, they covered the midnight opening for GTA, didn't ask any stupid questions, didn't go looking for kids. They were just talking about it, issued some facts, and that's about it. And on Saturday morning, I get to have a discussion, a full four-minute discussion about GTA and its impact and why it's a, it is a great game. So yeah, thanks to the mainstream media for firing my ass up because uh, I kind of go off on him this week that is something right there to look forward yeah, to yeah, really. all right a big congratulations to dave maybe getting married this weekend yeah ozzy doing an awesome job filling in in the booth thanks very much to atlantis group we are done that is your weekend confirmed though do stick around if you want to check out some football we got the tailgate coming up but if you're not we're ghost This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by the Gamefly app, the must-have app for gamers, with info on over 50,000 console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. All right, I am just going to quietly say, because I know I'm going to curse myself at some point, I'm 6-0, and oh, holy well crap, that's that is not awesome. quiet. Yeah, that's I'm, called a, a year-to-year turnaround yeah. of, <laughs> of massive of proportion. Massive a reversal. I, however, did not have a good uh, Another 3-0 and o weekend for me, and uh, Dave, oh. also 3-0, and o, both of us riding that final win by Seattle in uh, the... In uh, the God, talk Northwest. about stabbing me in the heart. Yeah, yeah it was a good, great honeymoon, uh, honeymoon present, Dave. Oh, yeah. Hope you he, enjoyed that one. Yeah. We'll see what happens when we come to San Francisco. But I would also like to say that that in the two weekend confirmed leagues, one of which I'm 2-0 and in, I got my first loss. And the reason I got my loss, adding insult to injury, was that Marshawn Lynch went ran off. all over he my went ass. Off. You know, Ugh. It's just going to be interesting. I, that was the most out of sorts I've seen the Niners Ugh. in a season and a half they, they just fell apart Ugh. it was bizarre and injuries and it just it was no. couldn't have gone worse we should leave it at that uh, let's see rounding out the week last week uh, Ozzy had a two and one week to go four and two uh, the booth here is uh, stay Mike was doing good for you last week so the pressure is on you guys uh, you guys are three and three for the season Andrea is Andrea bombed last week she you, both of you guys were oh and three so she's at one and five and Rich <laughs> did not do so well he only got one of his four picks so uh, we'll dive right in here this week. We're going uh, right off the bat to Houston, who are uh, headed up to Baltimore. Houston minus two and a half, though, going into Baltimore. I guess I have to start because I'm in the least. Yeah, spot. Mr. Least six spot. and zero over here. And this is a. I'm just going to pick a, what you pick. Uh, you're going st- to. I wouldn't necessarily. <laughs> do that. Uh, I'm going to go with Houston on this. I think that two and a half points are not enough for the uh, Houston Texans who have played extremely well. I don't think they're going to be very happy after that San Diego game. So I am going uh, uh, after that San Diego game, after that Tennessee game. 
I know both of their games. But I don't think they'll be very happy after that Tennessee game, which uh, took them down to the wire. They're a better team than that. I do think Andre, Andre Johnson is going to play. Uh, his concussion recovery has apparently gone very well. So they've got too many weapons for Baltimore to keep up with. So I'm taking Houston. I think they're going to be a winner by at least five. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Baltimore. Uh, I got to I got to pick the home dog. I think Baltimore is actually not as bad as everybody thinks they are. Oh, really? And uh, I think um, uh, what they're one and one, right? Or are they own two? I don't. Have I think they're one and one. Uh, yeah, they're one and one. Yeah, I think they. I think they're going to play well uh, at home, and I think. Uh, I think Houston is not as good as everyone thinks they are, and Baltimore isn't as bad as everyone thinks they are. All right, I'm. I will buy in for that. Jeff Mattis, do you want to jump in on here? Sure, I'm also going to weigh in at Baltimore. Also going to go in with the Baltimore. I have uh, Andrea in for Baltimore. Oh, God damn it! I have Dave maybe in for Baltimore. Let's go to the booth. Oz, where are you at? Oz is with me on the uh, Texans. And then, Jamie, where are you at? Also with the Texans. Yeah, maybe so we have the, a smart nice, money may have been to go on Garnett, but we'll nice see. Nice little split. There. Oh, so we're split pretty evenly across yeah. there. Then this one, because the line is so close, and I'm not really sure why it's so close. We've got Detroit. It's because Washington's played, played like crap. Why is the line so close? It's Detroit plus two at Washington. Detroit is going to blow Washington out of the water at the rate it's been going. Washington has the worst defense in the league, the second worst pass defense in the league, and they're going against Detroit. I'm going to Lions all the way on this. It's a freaking barn burner. Wow. I, if, if, Washington I'm the, could, I'm if Washington could just play the fourth quarter, yeah, they would be awesome. But unfortunately, there's three quarters before that. Crazy to think they might start the season 0-3. Not the way they look right now. But I'm, st- I'm I'm going Detroit as well. Jeff Mattis. Uh, Detroit also, and I'd like just like to see them win because uh, their city went bankrupt. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, look, you're talking about a team that, you know, even if they have to go to their backup running back, it's going to be Jock, Joyke Bell or Jock Bell or however you pronounce it. I mean, he looked great when he's been in there. It's like, oh, well, we have to go with Bell? Damn. Oh, shucks. Uh, let's see. Who do we have? Uh, Andrea, once again, they let her down last week, but she is with the Washington Redskins at home. Dave going with the uh, Detroit Lions with us. And then we have Oz in the booth going for Detroit and and the Redskins. Ah, a little outliers. Uh, this is probably a good point at which to uh, let Rich hop into the fray here. It's not been a good start. The Press Row podcast brought to you by Operation Sports. Rich Grisham has their host. Uh, He's been off to a rough start. So he did salvage one of his picks last week, but I'm sure he's uh, eager to right the ship. So what are your takes this week, Rich? Yes, yes, yes. A one in three start. Inauspicious to say the least. What a way to make my debut on Weekend Confirmed. But all right, that's okay. We'll get them. uh, We'll make it up this week. Up first, you have got the Houston Texans, a two and a half point favorite traveling to Baltimore. I like the Ravens in this game. Uh, Then you got the Lions, a two point underdog. Heading to Washington, the Redskins appear completely discombobulated. I'm going with the Lions. Uh, then you got the Giants at Carolina as a pick 'em. Uh, I guess I got to go with the with Carolina here. The Giants also appear pretty clueless in a lot of different ways, which of course I love. Um, and lastly, <laughs> thanks Garnett for giving me this one. A 16 point spread. The Raiders travel to Denver as a 16 point underdog. Brutal game to choose. Uh, the Broncos are obviously going to win the game. Uh, are they going to win that big? Yes, I say they will. I hate these big spreads, especially in a division game with the rivalry like this. But that's okay. I'm taking the Broncos. Uh, as always, thank you, Garnett. You guys are the best. Congratulations to Del Rio on your wedding, your upcoming nuptials. 
being married is awesome. Thanks, guys. This is Rich Christian for the Press Row Podcast, brought to you by Operation Sports, and we'll see you again next week. All right, Rich. Uh, I, I'll say good luck, except I want to stay out here in the lead. So, you know, good luck to the extent at which it does not hurt my luck. <laughs> uh, finally, wrapping things up here with a pick'em, because pick'ems are always fun. You've got the uh, relatively hapless New York Giants so oh, far. Two. At Carolina in a straight-up pick'em. What's the over-under on uh, interceptions from Eli Manning? <sighs> uh, I, I have no idea. I'm not four. A three, <laughs> two, three, something like that. I am going to uh, say that the Giants are a better team than they've shown so far and that they will get themselves in order at least enough to beat the Carolina Panthers and control Cam. I'm going to take the New York Giants. I was also going to pick the Giants. Uh, I think that that those guys, they're weird. They start the seasons. They tend to start the seasons very poorly. But every, every time the New York media starts getting on them, they start winning. So... I think they're going to beat Carolina in Carolina. Jeff Mattis, what do you see here? I'm, I'm on New York, too. He's on the Giants. Well, we're all, we're all falling into place here. We're either all going to do very well or very poorly this yeah, week. Yeah. <sighs> Ozzy and Jamie, what do you guys think? Ozzy is with the Panthers and then in vote for the Giants. So there you go. Oh, by the way, let me get you uh, uh, Andrea's and Dave's. Andrea is with the Carolina Panthers. And Dave maybe taking the New York football giants i have some picks for you okay i have liverpool over southampton in the huh? premier league and swansea over crystal palace thank you very much i don't understand why you just want to just talk gibberish right there <laughs> really silly. Uh, at least i don't come from a country that sucks at so many other sports you have to invent your own oh dear <laughs> all right there you well, go we invented the greatest sport of all time rugby no you didn't <laughs> we shall see next week how these scoring trends have gone thanks very much for listening we'll be back next week